0: You're listening to the Spruce and Brews Podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 205 of the Spruce and Brews Podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Andy. Hello. And returning, it is Jay hello i'm back how was your couple of weeks off jay Uh, right it's
1: been okay it's been okay so one week i was uh out of the country and um the the other week was the, obviously we have a calendar out in our kitchen and uh, my partner does a really good job of r- writing down all the sort of stuff we've got on through the month now unfortunately october's calendar sheet was hidden behind september's so whilst i was <laughs> out the country i didn't spot what we had during the first week of October, it's like the busiest week in the year in our household, apparently. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, that's behind us now. And uh,
0: I'm back. That pesky October hiding behind September. Yeah.
2: wuss. <laughs> <laughs> J- Jay comes back to us now at the turn of the tide.
0: <laughs> uh, so, uh, really cool episode this week. I know I say that every week, but it is really a really cool episode this week. Um, partly because you have another new book, Jay. Yeah, so uh, in my absence, uh, I have been
1: um, pouring through the new Luminef Realm Lords. battle. it's like a hobby of mine—just reviewing Luminef battle tomes. I think <laughs> 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 it'll be interesting to see, uh, like, if we can look at some of the statistics for Sprays and Brews. Who's reviewed the most duplicate sort of battle tomes or codexes? So I think it's I'm gonna be you them. on so, three. It's gonna be you on Luminef. three, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's been great um, looking through the um, Luminef Realm Lords. And I think we'll be, um, so we've got the um, review up on the website. There's a video that should be up by the time you're listening to this um, podcast. Uh, and we'll be talking about it a little bit later on on the show today as well.
0: Yes. gonna uh, take us through the the highlights. Because we've got a bit of a twofer, as, as, as Matt calls it, this week. Because we had a Warhammer preview on Saturday, Matt, didn't we?
2: We did, yeah. So it's the Can You Believe It, Warhammer forty Thousand is thirty-five years old and Warcom did a big preview show, as the tradition, prediction, and there was some really, really cool stuff. So I thought that deserved its own little section where we can get excited about all things Warhammer forty thousand.
0: And to tie into that, uh for this week's top three, we're gonna be looking at our favorite nostalgic models for Warhammer forty casing as it was its birthday. Um, and then of course we've got all the latest news as well, including everything that's on pre-order Of which something might be in the news, which, which suddenly is going on pre-order Anyway, we'll talk about that shortly Before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week And I'm going to start us off this week Ooh. Because I've done something this week, which long-time listeners to the show I think this might have appeared on two or three hobby resolutions cannot for life of me remember if it's on this year's i really do hope it is but i have a feeling it isn't um i this week gentlemen tackled transfers
2: you tackled transfers was it was it as scary as you thought it was going to be dave uh
0: initially it was um but now actually it's a bit of a piece of cake isn't it
2: piece of cake absolutely did you so okay. You're glad that you've, you've picked up the skill oh, and, and you're just like putting transfers on everything now, Dave.
0: <laughs> it's, an, it's an absolute game changer. I want to put transfers on everything. You know, let's put transfers every clan rat. No, let's not do that.
2: Now, um, I, don't, I don't want to blow your mind, Dave, but what about transfers on transfers? That is a thing where you can combine two images to make a new image. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That, I'm not even either. joking. I That's know, like I know. Inception not. level of transfer work. <laughs>
0: um, so, I did a couple of test models. The, the reason I did this week, I can't really reveal. Um, but I did a couple of te- uh, tester models and then I, I did the actual models I intended to put transfers on. It went really well. Um, it really does add that finishing touch to the models. And I'm really looking forward to tackling... In my backlog, um, I have a, a chunky night that I'm looking at the transfer sheet and I'm like, ooh, ooh, I'm looking forward to tackling that now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it was actually... It, I don't know. This sounds a bit simple, but it was, it was quite an emotional evening. I was like, "I can't believe I'm doing this. This is like another level to my hobbying." So, um, super happy um, with that. Um, that ties quite nicely to what I've mainly been doing this week, uh, of which is a unit I can't really um, discuss at the moment. Uh, however, hopefully, I can very soon. They are completely finished now. Um, so that means I can get back on the scaven. So I've already um, got back onto Clanrats. I built a, a warp thrower team, weapons team. Um, that was considering it was metal, and I hate building metal. That was actually really straightforward to put together. Um, so um, I've got that sprayed. That's that's you know in the queue, ready to be um, painted.
2: How's the uh, uh, how's the queue going on ground that
0: you've got? Um, Two um, weeks now, Dave. I know it's crazy, isn't it? Um, it'll be done. It'll be done. It's gonna be tight, but it'll be done. It'll be done. Um, so yeah, that's that's gonna be the rest of my week, really. Or next two weeks, is smash that from Scaven. So, um, but I'm, I know I got distracted with the secret thing i to talk about. But I'm I'm so glad that I, you know, veered off a little bit and did that. Um, but that's me for the for the hobby this week really um that's taken up most of my time uh let's jump over to Jay next what have you been up to this week Jay
1: Yeah uh, so my uh week has been elvish dwarvish and custodianish I guess <laughs> so I've been working on the League of Votan we've got our own crusade coming up we've got a couple of events coming up. I managed to um, snag a ticket for the uh, Warhammer World Crusade event in January next year, which I think is part two to the Crusade event that that Matt and Andy went to um, a few weeks back.
2: Uh, See, I'm Um, torn, Jay. I I don't know whether I take the same... You can take the same faction and carry on with your Crusade, but I don't know if to take a different army. I'm I'm torn.
1: uh, Well, I mean, I'll be going. It'll be the, the, the start of the Votan Crusade, so...
2: That's what I'm thinking, a fresh force and, and something different. We'll see.
1: Um, we could take some orcs. Dwarves versus orcs would be cool. Um, on the um, Elvish front, it has been pouring through the new Luminef Realm Lords Battle Tome and all the sort of exciting changes, quite a few changes actually, so I won't touch too much on that now. We'll come to that in a bit. Um, and then finally, um, we've got a um, Horus Heresy event coming up in November as well. Uh, and I'm hoping, hoping to be able to take the Legio Custodes uh, to that event. So hopefully um, they have um, some rules by then. Uh, if they don't, I can fall back on my Imperial Fist army, which is ready to go. Um, but I'm painting up a custo- Legio custodies Custode- force just in case I can take them.
2: That's cool. That's cool. Uh, uh, yeah, working
1: me. on the Coronas grab tank, which is, uh, in fact, I've got it right in front of me now. I'm just weathering it up a little bit. So this is using all the different oil paints and things. Is that
2: so the I'm biggest just... tank? Is that the same size as the one you did last time?
1: No, it's bigger than the one I did last time. Ooh, so this nice. is, yeah, it, it's a transport. It's like Spartan size, really. It's a big chunk of resin, quite heavy. Um, So I'm just, I've got the sort of base colours down. And I'm just sort of applying a really, really rough, uh, null oil sort of, not a wash, but like a stippling effect over it it tones down the gold and makes it look a bit scuffed Uh, and then the idea is then is that i'll um, i'll dab a bit of the um the sort of gold paint back on again to to bring a shine to the sort of raised edges and then um i'll be using uh, black oils into some of the recesses and um like a really nice turquoise blue oil as well just to give it that sort of um almost like a you know sort of um, weathered copper type effect but even though it's gold but it looks nice i think so
2: Oh, nice. You should do a bit of an article on these advanced weathering techniques. That'd be cool.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, I'm just experimenting, really, because I, I, normally, as you know, I like to paint. I'm a bit OCD with my highlights and my nice clean looking mm-hmm.
0: armour. So it is a bit out of my comfort zone, really. That's cool. Excellent. Uh, let's move over to you next, Matt. What have you been up to in the hobby this week?
2: So it's it's been a busy week, guys. I'm not going to lie, I'm knackered. Um, so I, 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 as well as the uh, the luminous book up for review, there's also the Sons of Bayomath, uh book up for review. I'd like to say that I penned that one, but uh, Mr. Woods kindly wrote that article while I was feverishly painting King Broad, the new big chap for the Sons of Beowulf, and I've got to say it is an amazing kit. You know, I've painted like three mega gargants now. Uh, plus broad for four and then we do want to pick up another kit to make the um the beast smasher i think it's called the new the other new giant broad's so cool with this big like kind of hammer thing with like the trunk of a tree as its uh <laughs> handle and the little creepers that are crawling all over him and looking like weird little cobblody things it's so so fun to paint up so uh so yes yeah, so i was working on him i was also painting up the new land raider proteus which is a very nostalgic mini that links into our top three. Looks so cool. I I went for what 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 the you know the, the people who actually like win games of Warhammer call the the worst way of building the Land Raider. I for, uh, I, uh, I didn't give it a whole mounted weapon. I didn't give it the the assault transport thing. But I wanted it to look like the original Land Raider from like the 1980s. So I built that one. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, it's really really cool. In game, it um it gets scout, which is cool. It has like a sensor array that messes up with deep strikes and stuff. So there's a point taking it like that. Uh, but I, I imagine most people probably build it with the uh, assault transport option and stick an extra double last cannon on the front of it. Um, but yeah, really really nice kit to paint up. And uh, I've I've got my um my world eater scheme down now. Essentially, spray it black, zenithal spray white. Um, recess wash with like ag and then just like painting some chips and weathering and scuffing and damage, and it's done. So, easiest, easiest space marine legion to paint. So, I might, if again, similar situation to Jay, if demons have rules, the demons will be coming. If demons don't have rules, I've got enough like predators and marks, six bodies and stuff to probably paint up a um, a world eater army in a weekend as well. So, so that'll be pretty cool. And I've also been working on My Path to Glory as well. Uh Eurasi is that her exalted form is almost finished. She's been on the back burner a little bit because I've been painting all sorts of stuff. But after this weekend, I'll be able to crack on full speed and to paint the, the rest of the Nighthorn army. So that'll be really, really fun. Um The next few weeks are going to be a little bit busy for me as well because finally, finally got confirmation on the house and get the keys on Friday, mm. which also means... By November, I want to say realistically, the new Spruce and Bruce studio will be complete and we'll be able to get some battle reports and painting videos and all that cool stuff on the go again, which is super exciting too. So, um, yeah, after this show, I might not be on the next few episodes because I'll be moving house, but, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it because I have no internet until it gets sorted. Um, <laughs> And yeah, and then also on on um Brew News, because that was a surprisingly popular segment last week, um I think I've narrowed it down to a, a hotel chocolate velvetizer chaps. You can make hot, hot chocolates, yeah. So yes, that sounds uh that sounds pretty exciting.
1: I can't wait to get into New Sprews and Brew's HQ.
2: Yeah, well i think we need to do we need to do uh a, a kind of a, a a welcome back battle report, don't we? I'm thinking the two new armies, whatever they may be when uh, when we get in there, I also really want to stream some uh, kill team and war cry and little games like that. I think would be really easy to stream. So uh, oh, yeah, a Horus
1: Heresy game.
2: We absolutely <laughs> will be doing a Horus Heresy game, Jay. Yeah. So I uh, think I think of all the Warhammer we're going to get in. It's been a long time, chaps.
3: Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, I think me and Jay have been building some Imperial Fist versus Iron Warriors game, haven't we? Yeah. So I think that's yeah, that going to have to like happen. A, that
2: sounds like our debut. Um... Oh, there, oh,
3: surely. oh no, that's going to be ages off I've got loads to paint
2: <laughs>
1: Oh look at this, the Iron Warriors
3: now
2: Backing out of a challenge
1: They can talk yeah. the talk, but they can't walk the walk
3: I'll, I'll load the artillery shells From, from my house I And mean, then I'll shoot them to that board <laughs> Ooh, I also
2: I also Got all four of the new Magic the Gathering Commander decks as well so, uh, You guys have uh, gone in on this as well, haven't you?
1: Yeah, my um, my Imperium deck turned up today uh it has flipped through. Yeah, really press I can't wait to have a game of it. It's been a while. Have since you played, played
2: have you Magic. played Commander yet? Uh,
1: I've not played Commander, no.
2: So Commander's quite interesting. You 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 can take a deck, every non land card has to be unique. And then you take a legendary uh creature as your commander, who basically like lives on a side deck, and you can summon them in at any time by just playing the mana cost. But every time they die the cost goes up by two mana. Ah, oh, okay. So it's it's quite good. You've got like a little threat on the side that you know, if you've got enough mana, you can pull in. I made a couple of games with Dave, and it was it was really really fun. I was playing the Chaos deck, and he was playing the Necron deck. The first game, he absolutely battered me, and the second game, he was just overwhelmed with all of the demons. So yeah, it was it was really good fun, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to us playing some four player games of that too.
3: Yeah, I I got the um, Chaos deck as well, and I was flicking through it and just looking at like all the different great demons and stuff like that. It, it looks really good for now. I I used to play Magic quite a bit, like like eight odd years ago now. But I never ever played commander. So I'm looking for it and I'm just like you know, looking at all the cards and like, oh there's no there's no duplicates. This is really weird. But then when I sort of like looked into it a bit more and was looking at the commander side of things, yeah, I was like, Oh right, okay, you don't duplicate things. I was like and that's how you get that sort of and using an air quote it balance in that multiplayer game where you don't have four cards which are super powerful you know yeah. you, you've got one
2: yeah that's cool and there's obviously there's counters to that as well um it, dave had a really good card and i luckily in my hand had a card that could exile something so it's like Ha-ha, see you later you're not using that card <laughs> <laughs> so no that was, that was really good fun um what's also cool as well is they're all like completely legal like magic cards are legal in air quotes as if the magic police will come round and arrest you if you, don't, <laughs> if you don't use it right. But um, essentially it lets you, um, you, you could, if you wanted to, say, Jay, buy a couple of the Imperium box and make like, a normal magic deck out of them or even oh, mix yeah. them in with your existing magic collection.
0: Yeah, I get you, yeah. That's cool.
2: Yeah, it's pretty fun.
0: Excellent stuff. Uh, that just leaves one person. Andy. What have you been doing in the hobby this week?
3: Um, Well, where do I begin? Um, So I've been building some Death Guard in preparation for our sort of 40k crusade slash campaign um, towards the end of the year. So I've been building some of the mythic blight haulers, I think they're called.
0: Yeah, the little little tank things. Yeah,
3: the little crab tanks. Um, I I bought a couple of them off um, Element Games and when I was building I was just like oh my god these are like really small but despite the fact that they say easy to build the easy I mean they are easy to build first off but they come in like normal gray plastic they're not like in a colored plastic or anything so when I opened it up I was like why are these like easy to build you know they're they're just like a normal kit um but yeah I've built two of them now so I've got some anti-tank um sort of built so I need to Wait for the weather and work to um align so i can get them primed um and get start getting some paint on them because i think they are one of those units that once you get into them i don't think they're horrendously difficult to paint um i've also been painting up some death guard for a kill team um i want to get a kill team fully painted and if i'm painting death guard for sort of our campaign in the next couple of months, I might as well just paint up my Death Guard kill team. And that gives me like a little bit of a, a starting point for, for the much larger force. So I've got a a champion, um, a Plague Marine warrior and a gunner, and I've got about half the base coats done on them. Like the silver's on, the brass trim's on. Just got to go around and do all the nitty gritty details, like the tentacles and the horns and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and that's about it unfortunately i don't think i can no that's about it um like i said um i bought me chaos magic deck so i've been flicking through that and looking at that and um yeah when we were watching the um warhammer preview i may have um may have mm. slipped and uh bought into the dark for kill team as well so <laughs> I, need, I need to get something sorted i need to put something on my keyboard so i don't keep don't keep slipping and buying stuff but um, dangerous
2: that isn't it i'd get something like health and safety stickers out yeah well
3: yeah yeah uh, but yeah i think that's about it really just like getting stuff built in primes for um yeah for later in the year
0: excellent another productive week for the team i think now there is plenty to get through but before we get stuck into Luminef and revealed it's time to talk news so we'll be right back So what do we have in this week's news matt
2: well first up for pre-order this week is something that was only revealed for the very first time this weekend as well and it is kill team shadow vaults so this is the first expansion to the new season of kill team still set within the gallo dark but this is set within like the armories and there's all sorts of like cool stuff like little automated gun turrets and and robots and it really does look like robot wars this one i've got to say um <laughs> and yeah the, the 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 kill teams in the box are um a new necron hierotech circle which looks like the uh the old immortal Deathmark kit with some upgrades versus the Kasarkin of the kadians now dave you've been um toying with Acadian army recently haven't you
0: yeah so um, I mean this is the first time we've seen more than just a couple of them because we had actually these were kind of previewed early weren't they because of a leaked image mm. some time ago and I know both yourself and Jay um, suspected that they were going to be in a kill team box um, yeah, but It so was the, great them- to see the full the full unit and all the options and um, yeah they, they they look awesome
2: yeah i'm really looking forward to it um and there's other things in the news that makes this box even more exciting later on but uh yeah space skeletons versus elite cadians. that seems like a pretty good box to buy doesn't it so yeah this clocks in at 110 pounds and um, it looks like you get the majority of the the terrain that you got in the into the dark box but it's got some different flavor bits to represent a different part of the ship i think they said early on that as the season goes on it'll be the same like bulkheads and doors and stuff but they'll kind of add on to different like things that slot into the little joining points dave will know what i'm on about and you know what about jay i'm going to play with him in the flesh you need to play with it it's amazing but basically all clips together and slots together and infinite combinations for creating the spaceship of your dreams um so yeah that's really really cool the necrons is uh, with all these boxes you normally get the one kind of awesome bespoke one that's really cool and then the other one that's kind of like they're cool but they're not as cool as that like, the bespoke one are they mm. i do like some of the models that they've got in the necron side there's like little new plasma sites and um, a couple of new characters that are built around the um the immortal bodies, so that's quite a clever way of doing it. So it gives me hope for other old kits having some life breathed into them with the old kill team upgrade sprue magic. So that's pretty cool. Shout out's gotta to be to the um circular lot though. The uh mm-hmm. the little Imperial robot with a with a buzzsaw on its back, which I'm sure will cut right through some necrons. Um alongside this, there's some dice uh, and there's some playing cards. If you are, I don't know. Going on holiday and want to play cards with a kill team themed set? You can now do that. Very random release, but hey, it's cool. Uh, Adeptus Titanicus has also got a surprise release that's come out of the blue: the Adeptus Titanicus Match Play Guide. This is essentially a book that lets you play match play games for Adeptus Titanicus. Titanicus is very much a, a narrative game, and all the supplements kind of support that. So what this does is gives you a, a range of deployment maps, uh primary and secondary objectives and rules for running your own tournaments, uh, along with rules for doubles events and narratives events, and also a rules reference for weapons, orders, psychic powers, and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of feels like a um, general's handbook slash chapter approved for Titanicus, which certainly isn't a bad thing. Um, As cool as narrative games are, it is sometimes fun to say, yeah, just, you know, bring a thousand points of whatever, and we'll play a, a, a normal quote marks game. So, Yeah, you've not played Titanicus, have you, Dave? You need to get some robots and shoot them at each other.
0: I do, don't I? It's uh, yeah, something that I've been meaning to play for a while, and I've not yet got round to.
2: And we'll do that. We'll definitely do that in the new studio, Dave, and and play some Titanicus. Uh, I suspect this book will also contain the rules for the new graviton weapons. There's options for the Warlord, the Reaver, and the Warhound, and they are all up for pre-order today as as a resin kit. They've all got like pre-drilled magnet holes. So if you've got an existing Titan, just whack some magnets and you can swap them out. That's one of the best things about uh, Titanicus. Now, if you are a Middle Earth fan, the range has rotated once again. So every so often they take some of the items off the shelf and bring back some golden oldies. And we've got a really nice selection going back into rotation uh, next week. So we've got Mounted Boromir. We've got the Black Root Veil Commanders. We've got Elendil and Isildur who fans of Rings of Powerwall know, the Haradrim King, the Mahud King, the Mahud Raiders, and the Mahud Warrior Warband. So, yeah, as a Far Harad fan, I will be picking up some war camels and dudes with blowpipes. Absolutely. Because uh, it's got to be done. I've, I, when I decided I wanted to collect an army, they've just disappeared from the range, and I've been waiting ever since for them to come back. Um, it looks like they've been reboxed into like bigger boxes i think previously the the warriors were in blisters of three well now it's a box of 12 and the same with the camels they are now packaged in twos so you never know we might see some discounts in price on those as well we have done in the past uh, and then finally something that is super super important to have and and maybe people kind of overlook sometimes uh tools there is a new range of tools coming out uh first of which is the super fine detail cutters So apparently these give the closest ever cut from a pair of Citadel cutters. They're £30, so they're not the cheapest. But um, a pair of good cutters goes a long way for for making your models look prettier. Uh, Alongside that is the new mould line remover. This is £15, and it's got a notch in it, so you can run the side of your base along it and take any rubbish off your base, which is really good, especially uh, moulded bases that are part of the sprue. They always look a mess if you try and do it with a knife. With this, you can just slot it in, roll it round, and then it'll take all that rubbish off it. So that's really good. Uh, there's also a new knife. I haven't got a price for this because I suspect you can only buy it in store. Um, and a new drill, which is £20. So if you want to drill your barrels or even drill miniatures for pinning them together, is uh, it's always good. So i'll at the very least be picking up the uh the new cutters because mine are getting a little bit blunt and i need a new knife as well so i might pick up that too um and if you go, do you guys all use the citadel tools or do you use like third party alternatives
3: i think of course, all the ones yeah i use citadel for the most part
2: yeah i mean there's another there's brand that you can get um for for cutters uh, god hand are a popular brand in japan for cutting gun kits Um, I remember way back I was building an Evangelion model and uh, Dave commented on how stressful it looked cleaning and assembling those kits because they're pre-coloured. If you've got snippers that put a lot of stress on the plastic it'll actually turn it white rather than in the original colour and these new snippers look similar to that where they've got a bit more control on them so um, you, you can quite easily damage parts if you've got like clumsy chunky snippers so Yeah, I'll give the full lowdown on these once I get them because, um, yeah, that sounds like a really boring review, but I'll definitely do that because I know people will be interested. (laughs) So we also got a little bit of news about the next Warcry box. So similar to Kill Team, we know that every quarter a new box is coming with a load of new scenery and two new warbands in it. And it has been revealed. I think it had been teased like when Warcry first came out, but officially revealed that the uh, one of the two warbands in the box are the Chameleon Skinks. So these are the survivors of the Eye of ChoTek, the uh, the Seraphon spaceship that crashed into the Gnarlwood and caused this whole like story arc that we're playing out now through the various systems. Um, and apparently all the a lot of the, the Saurus warriors died in the crash. The few surviving ones were so riddled with radiation that they started mutating and turned into spawn that now roam in the jungles. So really the only surviving members of the, the ship were the chameleon skinks, who have now formed like hunting parties and they're moving through the uh, the jungle, possibly to, to deter people from heading towards the ruins of the ship. Um, what do you guys think of these? I, I really like the look. They look a bit more alien than other... Um, Seraphon models, you know the the old Lizardman range really was very much uh, dinosaurs, wasn't it? So I wonder if like going forward they lean more into the fact that these are essentially aliens, aren't they?
1: So glad you get a non-chaos warband for Warcry.
2: <laughs> yeah, are you are you tempted by these, NJ? Would you go for a, for a, a Seraphon uh, warband yeah, for Warcry?
1: I would definitely go for a Seraphon warband. These guys look really cool, and they're not chaos. Um, I've had a Seraphon army in the past. So, yeah, I think I, I would pick these guys up and um, try them in uh, Warcry. The thing that puts me off using like Sylvanoth or Luminef is that I really like the sort of individual um, sort of sculpts that you get across the Warcry warbands that are, you know, dedicated Warcry warbands, as opposed to just pulling models from, like you know, if I took four um, wardens, for example, from the Luminef army, they all look the same. Um so, yeah, I so.
0: I I um I was in the same kind of boat as as you, Jay, in regards to that. So I kinda of let the com- the um the the, the, the the existing kind of rules and using the existing models kind of pass me by. But when me and Andy had the evening a couple of weeks ago playing, um they actually made me look at the different looking like and right. vindictive for the storm casts and stuff to see if I could because a hundred percent I think every model has to be posed slightly different, even if they're from the same unit. So you would probably struggle a little bit with the warbands. <laughs> um, yeah. But honestly, like have a, a game of of Warcry now, and you might be tempted to to change your mind on that. I mean, well, I do you like Warcry? I've enjoyed I enjoyed the games we played, Dave. Yeah.
2: Well, hopefully, it's it's not just the one order warband in the box. So it's shown, which shows a, a team of humans trekking through the jungle. Now, in the rule book, it mentions that. Um, uh, Talaxis, I think his name is, is a famous explorer who is part of a Dawnbringer crusade force that is exploring the jungles of Gur. So, I suspect this box will be the chameleon skinks versus this Dawnbringer expedition party, and that'd be amazing. Could be our first Dawnbringer models as well, yeah. officially.
3: Yeah, that would be cool. I mean. Even when you were chatting about the Saurus turning into like Chaos Spawn and wandering around the jungle and stuff, the Chaos Spawn model is quite old now. So a new one of those would be really cool as well. And bringing it into Warcry, you know, it could be terrifying in Warcry. Yeah, it'd be nice
2: to see like what the spawn was before it turned, and if there's like elements of a of a warrior or a, a crocsegori in there somewhere, that'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? Especially yet yeah, under this like current storyline where we are in these these jungles around this Crash Seraphon ship. So, mm. uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Andy. I definitely think that that is a reference to a model that we'll be getting at some point in the future. Yeah. So yeah, that's really cool. And then the other the other model that was revealed this week is another one that Dave will enjoy. Uh, another Dark Angel Legendary Swordsman. And commander course wayne
0: oh what a model this guy is he's like um i think jay um said it best when you can pop around the other day jay, and called him a mini lion um yeah. and he absolutely is what a what an awesome model both helmet and non-helmet versions uh i mean when i started collecting dark angels for the heresy jay was singing this guy's praises from the novels and from his rules so it's great to see that he's now got his own model, and I'll definitely be picking this guy up. And it really makes me want to get, I need to find some time in the pain schedule to to do some Horace Heresy, because um, I am keen to have a game. Um, I know, obviously, Matt and Jay have already, you know, played quite a bit of it. Uh, me, me and Andy, we, we need to catch up, don't we?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've got plans, sort of. <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, plans get derailed all the time, don't they? But I think December for me is going to be, uh, I'm, yeah, I think I'm going to blitz through some Horus Heresy and try and get a decent amount of stuff built and painted. Because um, well, Iron Warriors are quite, quite quick.
2: Well, we don't have a bit of a semi-traditional trip to Warhammer World on my birthday at the end of December. So, chaps, if you can assemble your forces, I think we need to uh, to get a game on the go.
3: Dark Angels, assemble! I thought oh, you were fighting for the Loyalists, Dave. But a bunch. <laughs> so yeah, that
2: is, that is the non-preview show news this week. And even even outside the preview, there's quite a few cool things there, isn't there?
0: There was indeed. Um, I think we should keep this reveal train going now. So let's take a slight pause and we'll come back with this week's Warhammer preview wrap-up. Be right back. Never really sank in until this year that I'm actually older than Warhammer 40k. That's uh, quite scary.
2: Don't it, Dave. scary. <laughs> oh, thanks,
0: Andy. <laughs> um, so to celebrate this this epic birthday, uh, Adam and Eddie took to our screens once again to give us a 40k flavoured Warhammer Online preview. Uh, always excited for these. They bigged up quite a bit, uh, time to decide uh, or talk about first and then decide if it lived up to its billing. Uh, Matt, I know you like taking this through. these, you so taken away?
2: Wow, yeah. I mean, we kind of had preconceptions on this one. We, we kind of thought that we'd see the Cadians because we knew they were coming. We kind of thought we'd see some world eaters. But there's a lot of stuff that we did not expect. And we'll go in hot and heavy. With the Cadia Stands launch box, which is possibly the best named launch box there's been so far. Uh, yeah, we knew, we knew Cadians were coming, but I don't think we expected an entire range refresh for the, uh, the Cadians. So, uh, the Cadia Stands is a massive box that has K- new, 20 new Cadian shock troops in it, brand new ones, a brand new command squad, uh, a new unit in the form of the field or and yet two of them and a new sentinel And a codex Yeah I don't think any of us are expecting this
0: <laughs> No absolutely Not I mean I, I was I, I'd have been quite happy just painting a bunch of the old Guardsmen because especially with the upgrade Spree that we had about eight months ago or was it longer than that now probably longer. it was
2: than that, it was about a year ago now um interestingly that's had a massive spike of views recently because it had new cadian yeah, interestingly yeah, yeah. um but yeah they're, they're, i've got to say that they're not they're not like reinvented the wheel but they're obviously much more modern scorps, loads Bit more the, options yeah, on them yeah I, my my bugbear is the cadians weren't bad I'd have loved to see like the Catogens get this kind of treatment.
0: Ah, Maybe they will. will. They will, won't they? Yeah.
2: Maybe. I don't, it's a lot of kits to put out for basically duplicating an entire range in Cadian and Catogen. Yeah, yeah. Um so I personally I don't think we'll see another regiment get all these kits. Obviously we've got the Deathcore Creek unit and we've got the um the Imperial Navy unit now as well. Um more on that soon. The, the command squad's really cool. Again, that's not a really old kit. Um, my particular favourite is the, 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 the kind of Vox operator, who's got like a theremin on his back and like a fax machine printing out stuff on his front. It's just glorious. <laughs> cool, yes. The
1: golden age of technology is well and truly behind us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> imagine he gets an amazing 5G on the massive satellite dish behind him, though.
1: No, that's where he hangs his commander's coat. To
2: dry. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah they're they're really nice Uh, so dave you've seen the 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 old sprue recently Uh, and again these aren't like reinventing the wheel but again they're just much nicer scopes aren't they
0: they are they've just got a little bit more detail a little bit more character to them um Again, though, I, I didn't really think there was much wrong with the command squad that we have, but this just takes up another level. Like I say, the, the fax machine Vox um, guy, the option of the veteran with the power fist smoking there. He's, he's got his... Um, that's not a vape, is it? That's an old school cigar. Um, and knee pads. Uh, that's one big thing that has changed. Um, they, they, have, they have <laughs> knee pads. Um, just in case they want to do some skating. Just shoot yeah so uh yeah i really like these um i quite i, I think i really like the inclusion of like the ranks um that look sculpted on some of the shoulder pads i really like that
2: oh, yeah.
0: Um, so yeah it's um it's 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 a very cool kit
2: yeah i mean my favorite kit in the box is the new um field ordnance batteries now obviously i play death quarter creek so you, you, you mentioned plastic ordnance to me and you've su- suddenly got my attention um this box contains two of them it looks like it will be a kit of three maybe when it gets released separately but it takes a lot of the kind of um the the kind of design cues from the the deathcora krieg heavy artillery that that we had previously as as part of the resin for you know uh deathcora krieg range but made it a plastic kit it, it it's a shame again i kind of wish this was a death core kind of um uniforms but that said um you can buy the crews of those artillery batteries separately from forge world so this will be really really easy if you're death core a Greek player you just be able to buy these plastic artillery pieces and put your resin crew on them and they'll look just yeah. as good um it looks like you have a variety of stuff as well there's a big like mini basilisk cannon there's a big like multiple rocket launcher and then the heavy las cannon for when you need something a bit heavier than a regular vanilla las cannon
0: yeah, the the most difficult part about these uh, weapons, obviously, we haven't seen the rules or anything yet, but just from looking awesome, how am I going to build these? Uh, Two of each, uh, presumably. Well, that's what yeah, I'll be doing, Dave. That's, that's it, isn't it?
2: Um. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm t- I was, I, I was very tempted to start Acadian Army, and um. I know Dave, you are you are you're super excited to do the Cadian, so I'm gonna to defer to you, but I will be picking up some of these new kits to add to my Deathcore or Krieg because I think that those kits in particular will really fit like the aesthetic of the Krieg, all the artillery all the time. Uh, you also get the awesome new um Sentinel kit in the box as well. So it builds a heavy sentinel and a light sentinel. You weren't fussed on this when we first saw it, but I really like this kit, Dave. I think it has warmed on you since.
0: It's it's grown on me, yes. Um I actually like both variants. Um I don't know obviously we'll wait and see what the rules are like, but um I think I'm probably gonna go for the armoured one first, although the chain is pretty darn cool on the Scout Sentinel. Um yeah, it's it's very much grown on me. I think when I first saw the, the sort of boxy looking um armored one i thought it, it looks maybe too much like an mech one maybe i don't know <coughs> there was something about it that put me off but the more angles i see it at the, the more i'm like actually that that that's pretty nice
2: i think it's the uh the back jointed legs that makes it for me yeah um and we also saw another kit that's well, i don't think it comes in the box but it's coming alongside a new commissar kit which again they had a perfectly surface of a commissar model in the old stock collecting box. But we've got a new one here that looks a bit more um, imposing, I guess.
0: And um, a little bit easier for people who don't want a complicated mini to paint. He's not rocking the um, the medals and the complicated shirt of his predecessor. This guy's a lot more stern, a lot more, dare I say, plain. Which I don't think is the no bad thing. Um that sword looks long enough anyway. He's gonna he's gonna stab some walks with that. But yeah, I quite I quite like this new committer. I yeah.
3: I like him, but he reminds me of that guy from Street Fighter the Bad. guy. M-Bison. M-Bison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I look at when I see the, the face and the hat. But yeah, yeah, I, I like it. I do like it. It like you said, Dave, it doesn't look horrendously over the top to paint. That's one of those nice models you'd pick up to paint on a Sunday afternoon.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And also where the other kits are very Cadian, I think this guy would fit better with a Deathcore greek with his this long leather trench coat and, and minimal like ornamentation, like you say. I think he'd be a nice one to use for a deathcore And obviously he's got no dead gas mask, but you know, he's obviously nails, he's got his mask off. He didn't care, does he? He's you gonna know, shoot someone in a bit. Um and alongside this we've also got a new unit, a Castellan. So this is a, a new HQ unit that doesn't, you know, doesn't mill around with the command squad, sat in the tent at the back, sipping tea. This guy's wandering through the squad, issuing orders, making sure stuff's done. And again, this is a really nice kit too. This guy's definitely more more Cadian looking again. Uh, and it looks like he's got a load of different weapon options too.
0: So in the images, we see him with um, a power sword. A plasma pistol, the, the 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 good, the good old pointing. We like a we like a, a commander that's pointing, um, and also it mentions in the Warhammer article that he's um, punching something with a power fist. So yeah, it sounds like this is going to be like your um, almost like your canoness, your multi-part character that we seem to be getting for each of our armies now. Um, I really, I think actually I prefer this Castellan model to the company commander that comes in the new command squad in the launch box, who is still very, very nice, but this guy, yeah, I really like this guy.
2: Now, what I suspect is that a lot of these human kits, the, even though they're not designed to go together, the parts are interchangeable, so I reckon you'd probably be able to use the spare parts in this kit to give your company commander a different vibe too.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, but that's right. Walcom also showed off the new heavy weapon squads. So we've got these big artillery batteries, but we've also got the the regular weapon squads. And again, they're not a terribly old kit, but they've been redesigned in the new proportions of the new Kalians. Uh They look again really, really nice. Uh, a bit more dynamic. There's there's a bit more action going on with them. Yeah, I think these look great.
0: Yeah, they do. They're they're looking. I mean, the old ones still had that kind of little diorama f- theme about them. Um, but these just take it up another notch um, really nicely detailed can't wait to add these to the collection
2: now the crazy thing is that Warhammer said that this is like half of the kits that we're seeing for the range now we know that we've got um, uh, what's her name, A- circa Creed mm-hmm. the, um, the daughter of, uh, of Castellan Creed um, we, we've heard rumours of the, the Rogal Dawn battle tank as well i I suspect that's probably on the front cover of the book. That's why they haven't showed it yet. There's been talk of like a mounted commander option as well, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see something like the the Death Riders in the kit as a a's a plastic kit because they're super 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 popular um
1: Cajuns used to have like a like a not a conscript unit but like a rookie unit like a close combat rookie unit well, they I did of the world,
2: in the Eye of i don't, I don't know if they'd put out another kit for when you essentially could i don't know paint up the cadians differently but yeah there's, there's certainly a few kits that we haven't seen yet so that's really exciting uh, the article goes in a little bit into the rules and this is the first book really where you can just mix whatever regiment together and again that's something that makes me think that we're probably not going to see you know all these kits again for for Catechins and all these kits again for deathcore or Krieg, um because now in a real army, you'd probably have like some units that have come from other regiments joining with you. You know, forces have been depleted during campaigns and been like drafted together again. So, to represent that, rather than having, you know, this is a Cadian army or this is a Death Corps army, you pick a doctrine that fits how the army operates. So, you could have a mix of Catching models, Cadian models, and, and Death Corps of Krieg models, but you use the course of sacrifice rules that the Death Corps of Krieg normally use to represent how that army operates on the battlefield do we think this is a good change i i i do I, I think it'd be cool to be able to include a couple of those different looking units within a guard army
1: i think if you if you take it one step further if you mix in guard regiments to represent a sort of fighting force in a in a, in a bigger campaign you'd also have Astartes units Astartes strike forces and things could it could it go that way as well where you you know the ally system eventually, in effect, comes back to Warhammer we'll 40k.
2: I kind of like that. Something akin to um, AOS, we have a bit of an allies list. And, and go, if we're going back to, like, second edition, you had an allies chart and you could buy 25% of your army from those allies. You know, I all... mean,
1: in a crusade it might work, because obviously you have your crusade roster, which is Imperium, for example. You can include a starter units on there, guard units on there.
2: Yeah, I, I like this. Dave, you're you're probably going to be the next of us to jump into guard. Do you like that or would you rather just be this is a Cadian army, this is a Death Corps army?
0: Uh, no, I like it because at the end of the day, if I don't want to include a Death Corps or a um, or, uh, catching unit in my army, then I don't have to. So, And I'm not going to be hindered because of that. So I've I've got no problems with that. I mean, I personally think you know if I'm gonna have a, a Cadian army, they're all gonna be from Cadia. But you know, it, I'm not I'm not kind of hurting my chances of gaining some victories by doing that. So
3: well, you say I,
2: this day, but you've got the Gaunt's Ghosts kit. They're not oh Cadians.
0: Yeah. I do have the Gaunt's Ghost kit. I completely forgot I was in the, my pile of shame. Um. Yeah, okay, Tana First only sound like good allies to have an Acadian army. Um, I'll definitely be (laughs) doing that. So,
3: So, yeah. I I wonder if um, Inquisitors are going to get put into the Codex, because they're not actually in any Codex yet, are they? No.
0: Their rules are currently in Rising Tide, the first Octarius book, which actually might not be in publication anymore.
2: Yeah, I believe some of those older... uh, narrative books have been uh discontinued now
0: uh, i think the next time we'll see those Andy, will be in codex imperial uh agents yeah. um <laughs> out next year heard it here first absolutely <laughs> speculating there. um but it'd be cool if uh, there were some ties to inquisitors in here
2: yeah so i think a good showing for the cadians way more than i thought we'd get and probably not far off till we get these now as well so that's super exciting now, what also is super exciting that we didn't see come in and I guess we should have seen come in, is that for the next period of time, there's a new narrative arc playing over in Warhammer 40,000. So traditionally in all the systems, in the twilight months of an edition, they have some big like narrative event that kind of finishes off the loose ends from one uh, edition and sets things up for the next edition. Ninth Edition's been a weird one because the first half we had a lot of the story revolving around the Pariah Nexus and the Return of the Silent King, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's that's a shame, but way over there, Abaddon's attacking again, and we kind of shifted gear and moved back towards the Cicatrix Maledictum that was kind of the setting of Eighth Edition. Um, but yeah, over over the over the course of the, the latter half of Ninth Edition, uh, Abaddon and his forces have breached the Cicatrix Maledictum and are now marching towards Terror just like his daddy used to do. Um, and as part of his assault into the Imperium, um, Abaddon has weaponized Spacehawks, filled him with all sorts of horrific, gribbly things, and has sent them towards the Imperium. Talking and, to the orcs. Talking to the orcs, yeah. yeah the, the orcs, <laughs> exactly. If it works for the orcs. so We saw a lot of this concept artwork, and me and Jay both said to each other, Blackstone Fortress. Uh, sadly, it's not, but... That's not to say they don't tie something in with this, because Battle that'd Gothic, be an amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did I say?
1: Blackstone pa- Fortress, which wasn't me do it again. Let
2: me do it. Fleet let me Let me do it again. again. Let me do it again. So me and Jay both turned to each other and said, "Battlefleet Gothic." It's it's, it's got to be Battlefleet Gothic, and he wasn't. But that's not to say that they don't do something to bring that in. It has been talked about by Forge World a couple of years ago that they were working on it, so that'd be interesting. But this is arguably a little bit more exciting. It's a new um, narrative arc. Obviously, they're going to carry on with the story. And they've learned a few things from the previous supplements. And I think we've mentioned this in some of our reviews as well. The, the odd box the, the narrative 40k supplements. There's a, a big chunk of narrative, which is really cool. There's a couple of additional rules for old armies, which kind of feels a bit like DLC. And then you normally get a few new profiles. And they've kind of admitted in the article on the stream that people don't like that it feels like you have to bring a million books along with you. So instead, I think it's probably going to be more like the uh, the Broken Realm series where you get a lot of narrative and then each book will have a self-contained something in them. So the first book um, is going to have a self-contained boarding actions expansion. So this is rules for 500-point games of Warhammer 40,000 on a Spacehawk. That sounds amazing. It's basically his own Mortalis for Horus Heresy. Um, This will be compatible with the new um, Gallo Dark um, terrain. It's almost as if, like with Age of Sigma, they've tied all the expansions together. So we've got the same story arc going on that, you know, maybe the Space Hawks that are, the Spec Ops are fighting over. There's also, further down on the other end of the ship, a massive battle going on between two point forces this seems really cool i, uh, I haven't been really had a chance to chat to you guys about this yet what are our thoughts on on full size 40k i say full size 500 point 40k on board a spaceship with lots of like narrow corridors and and less line of sight and maybe different units that you'll bring to bear
1: Yeah, i wanted to play um zomo talis in Horus heresy for ages and um I, to be honest I, I think we were talking a couple of weeks ago when I was last on the podcast that like next year, I want to get the Blood Angels back on their painting desk. Um, and Blood Angels Terminators just seem like the perfect unit to start painting up to be stuck through the corridors of Space Hulks.
3: Absolutely. What? By Blood Angel Terminators, Jay, do you mean Chaos Terminators? That sounds <laughs> better, that sounds better <laughs> to me.
2: Well, there,
1: there might be some Chaos Terminators that the Blood Angels have to sort of cut through for sure.
2: Yeah, it's it. It looks cool, Dave. You've been very quiet. What's your your thoughts on Arcs of Omen?
0: I um, I, I mean, the whole doubt, the the story and stuff that seems to be running through this book sounds awesome, and and I know I know Matt will get to him, get a bit further into the reveals, but there's something underlying in this book which is is making Matt incredibly excited, and I think it's going to be a a, a a big step forward for 40K uh in regards to factions um I, I i do like the idea of fighting um a 40k game on a space hulk but um i kind of feel that it it works better for kill team um but i do want to have a game of 40k on a space hulk it, it would be a lot of fun um so yeah i'm looking forward to trying it out but i think i'm more looking forward to the the, the narrative of this book rather than the boarding actions
2: yeah, it's it, it's good to see that they've learned from the previous expansions because you know in all of the, the um, reviews for them we were like it's cool, but Broken Realms did it better. And it looks like they're going more to the kind of the Broken Realms kind of model. I suspect there will be rules for models in here, but it won't be like here's bits of rules that should have been in your book, which is uh, uh, we never agreed with that anyway, did we? It was I, a bit. I think
0: yeah, I think we'll see like maybe a data uh, sheet or something, but we won't have here are all the rules for Order of the Martyred Lady yeah for, a, for example for the sisters we won't see that and um, we might just see the extra rule
2: just kind of beg the question if this is a series of books and the first book contains these board and action rules what are going to be in the other books are they going to have multiple different ways of playing the game
1: maybe there'll be some sort of crossover where the battle on like a flagship in orbit affects a game <laughs> on the planet's surface
2: that would be cool. Big tidying campaigns and, and maybe even linking some kill team with that because I think it's it's a different kind of battle sending your five stealthy guys to go and sabotage a reactor as opposed to we're boarding a ship when you punch people in the face. Different flavour to the battles on a spaceship, haven't you?
3: See, yeah. what I think would be really cool is if they did um, either a small kill team uh, box or like kind of what we expect from this, but on the outside, of the ship instead of the inside so when you've got like turrets that are terrain pieces and like little um sort of like uh, parts of the whole batch sort of shape in different ways and you know all the ornaments and stuff like that because you when you look at like um was it angels of death series we did fairly recently on warhammer plus uh, the the imperial ships are almost like giant flying cathedrals in terms of like their uh, sort of look and feel to them and i think like if you had um, a sort of board on the outside of a of a ship or something on those lines because if you're fighting in a ship and you can't break a stalemate you know you're both sort of locked in a place well the only way to really get around is to go on the outside of a ship and try and get behind them so i think something like that would be really cool yeah, that would be ace.
2: So, yeah, we're forward to seeing what it says. To um, to accompany this release, they've got a, a boarding patrol box that's coming out. Essentially, it contains um two of the boards out of the, the Kill Team Into the Dark box, and then enough terrain to fill both of those boards. So, you're probably talking similar amount of terrain as if you bought Into the Dark and Shadow Vault, which is cool, because I know you've been up for this scenery as well, Dave, haven't yeah, you?
0: I have, yes, yeah, yeah. It's a really good box for both 40k and Kill
2: Team. Um, Arguably, for Kill Team, you've already got the, the scenery from the, the boxes with the rules in, but for 40k, definitely. Again, if you've got the the Kill Team boxes and this box, you could combine it into a full, like, thousand-point game Sized board as well, which I suspect that how things might go with it all being compatible, so that's interesting. They've also got a range of bases that go with this as well, and I'm quite interested in these. I think it'd be cool to do a, a five hundred point boarding force on all these kind of cool bases. I kind of wish these bases were already out, so you could put your kill team models on them
0: yeah, yeah absolutely i I
2: agree there seem a bit of a missed opportunity, but uh yeah i'm I'm really excited for this I'm looking forward to seeing him uh where it goes um you know presumably next summer we'll have 10th edition um but the uh, i wouldn't let that deter anyone from picking up these books because like the broken realm series was essentially the last releases for um aos 2 and they were brilliant so hopefully we see a similar kind of situation here um andy you you eager for some world eaters
3: did someone say blood for a blood god
2: Somebody maybe did say Blood for the Blood God. Now, we mentioned on the podcast not so long ago that back in the day, you could have a, a Chaos Lord mounted on a juggernaut of corn. Can you imagine such a thing? Well, Games Workshop apparently can. And they have reimagined it as the um, Lord Invocatus, which looks like he looks more like a possessed riding a juggernaut. He's um, He's a mean dude, isn't he?
3: Yeah I I mean the, the the face mask on him definitely gives you that sort of possessed sort of look to him. I mean the chain axe he's got or the, the chain axe that he's been shown off on Warcom that more looks more like a, a two-handed axe but he's just wielding it very gracefully with one one arm. And I think they mentioned it in the preview the juggernaut the one thing that sets this apart from other juggernauts is that on its sort of head where the horn would normally be on like a rhino they've replaced it with a chainsaw
2: i mean we're in lasers on shark territory here aren't we but um <laughs> chainsaw on a on a juggernaut is is the way to go it's going to hurt if that thing runs into you now we can only guess that this guy might have a unit of um corn berserkers on juggernaut that maybe he leads in a kind of uh knobs on smasher squig style vibe is what i'm getting here andy i don't know about you
3: yeah, I mean I'd be surprised if there isn't a unit of generic berserker's riding juggernauts because let's face it juggernauts are a very iconic corn unit and berserkers again are, are a very iconic unit so but you've got that combination of the mortal and the demonic units coming together and I it'd be a bit surprising if it was just him on his on his own i mean we know from like the chaos demon codex that you can get is it 25 percent can be demons uh, and
2: can be demons yeah
3: yeah so i i imagine you know even if we don't get some corn berserkers on juggernauts you can always ally in some blood crushers or something like that and then he's got some friends
2: yeah exactly and in the article they mentioned that he'd look good leading some flesh hounds and blood crushers into battle but um yeah, I am fairly certain. I am fairly sure in the trailer, and actually on the artwork on, on Warcom as well, I think there's a little glimpse of, of a Berserker and a Juggernaut in the background. So, yeah, we shall see. My favourite thing about this preview, though, is having my dreams shattered of how awesome I thought the original version was. Because I remember <laughs> looking at my pages of White Dwarf and going, oh my God, that's such a cool model. And you look back now, and yeah, it's like... You come near my son ever again.
3: He's very 1990s Power Rangers, isn't he?
2: He is he absolutely 1990s, and I think he may even predate that, Andy. <laughs> I think he's <laughs> in the 80s. uh But yeah, it's it's a cool model. Now, the final thing that we saw revealed was something that piqued my interest. Over the course of the the previous narrative arc, that I forget the name, you've reviewed in both, um Dave. um There's a couple of books. Um, where we heard about the, the dark mechanicum were name checked quite a few times, but up until now, we've not really seen them in the game. We've got a unit for, uh, Blackstone Fortress. We've got two hero options in Heresy. We haven't even seen any dark mechanicum for Heresy properly, but I think we saw our first reveal of a dark mechanicum entity, for want of a better word, in the lore for, um, the uh, the boarding actions. Uh, they mention that um, Abaddon has got a new ally, an unusual demonic mechanical ally, and uh, yeah, it seems like he's maybe made a pact with this entity, and that creature is somewhat involved with the um, the Spacehawk kind of campaign that I, he's doing.
0: I I actually have the 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 quote that you're after right here, Matt. So what to, to quote Warcom. With his forces spread across war zones in Vigilis, Darova, and beyond, Abaddon need one good knockout punch to destroy the loyalists once and for all. The arrival of a mysterious ally provides the break he needs, and work begins on his new fleets swarms of heretical warships reinforced by the mighty Arcs of Omen.
2: That That sounds ominous, Dave.
0: It does. It does sound ominous, Matt.
2: Well, we, we saw a little bit of a teaser trailer where we see Abaddon in all his majesty, the War Master, of course, the the rightful heir of the throne of terror. And in front of him is a gathering of um of like uh what are they called? Technothralls are they? I forget yeah. what they're called. A Blackstone Fortress, the um the um the dark mechanicum unit out of that. And then we get some quick cuts of some kind of horrific amalgamation of demon and machine. Again, both these things appeal to me. Again, with a final uh, silhouette, which is very uh, Kerrigan from uh, Starcraft, isn't it, Jay? With a big kind of mechanical wing swept up and a big, like, power claw. Um, In the other arm, I think he's got a big hammer. The hammer and the claw we've definitely seen in um, Rumour Engines before. And there's, like, a blurry image of the head, and it kind of looks a bit, like, snaky and demon.
1: It looks beast-like.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of hope that they could have easily gone the dark mechanicum is just the mechanicum but with spikes on um and it looks like maybe they're going in a different direction which is really cool um i mean we're talking here potentially three new races within the space of six months with the leagues of otan the world eaters and the dark mechanicum i suspect in this book we might get rules for this creature the belisarius call of the dark mechanicum um and then you know maybe a race comes Further down post 10th edition But it's certainly a good sign that The future is bright for all Fans of demons forced into Robots
0: They've yeah. been just making an ever Increasingly um, Mention In in the lore, you mentioned obviously The Octarius uh, series um, Especially when we saw um, I can't remember What the household was the, the, House
2: Raven, Spirited Away by Bellacore Yeah,
0: yeah. So the Dark Mechanical played quite a big part in that. Uh, they've been there, especially recently, um, and it is about time that they came front and centre and, and had their own army. And I agree, Matt. I think instead of just all sort of the, the, the being a new army, we might see the beginnings of one with a leader. Um, and then obviously we'll start getting some, some more kits then.
2: Yeah, if I had to guess, it'll be, it'll be a new hero that can be taken by Chaos Space Marines or Demon Armies as either, as like an agent of Chaos, um, who's got some cool things that interact with both demons and with mechanical stuff. And then post 10th edition, it wouldn't surprise me if this is then the new army that comes out. That could be 12 months away. Who knows? But it's a good sign that they're coming. Also, all to remember is that the Mechanicum book for Horus Heresy very explicitly, explicitly states that this represents the the traitor forces of the Mechanicum at the outbreak of the Heresy, and by the end of the Heresy, they are quite different. This is a really good way of releasing a new range for both Heresy and 40k, and have kits that are compatible for both games, because if they go for the whole kind of like demons merged with, uh, you know, machinery kind of vibe, that's a very different look. And I think it would have been a bit boring if the Dark Mechanicum were just Mechanicum, Mechanicus, but evil. Uh, we do actually See a picture of what I believe is a um, a Dark Mechanicum demon engine in the uh, arcs of Omen article. There's a shot of a load of Black Legion running down a corridor, and behind them, there's like a massive horrific spider thing with like three Lord of Change heads. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, see some cool stuff like that. Um, so uh, Jay, you guys, I,
1: uh, you're excited about all the chaos, and I mean at the Dark Mechanicum do sound really really interesting it, it'll be really really cool to, and I, I like you say i hope they do go different than your regular sort of adeptus mechanicus sort of styling like the venom crawlers and things like that and the yeah. um who's the who's the um sort of tech priesty type looking character for the care who rides that sort of weird insecty looking thing the yeah Lord, that that's might be quite cool. yeah he would be cool but what I, I wonder is, remember when was it between 7th and 8th when we had the Gathering Storm and we had like the triumvirate of the Imperium release mm. with Gulliman, Greyfax and Valdor, was it? And then we had Cypher, the Eldar character. Can't think who else we had. Um, do you think perhaps we'll see something like this in the build up to 10th now? So uh, Dark Omens book one with this Dark Mechanicum character and then a second follow-up book, perhaps with an Imperial character. Well,
2: Jay, you've been saying for the last, like, three years that the, the Imperium needs a new Primarch. One of these books, I suspect, be the best time to release it. We saw Belakor release that way. We saw uh, Kragnos release that way, in AOS. Released that way. Yeah, I I it, this is a series of books, and the first one is a big bad for the, the forces of um chaos. Vect. Get a new model in this range.
1: Oh, Azazelvech, yeah.
2: Um, get um the Lion, for example, and maybe another. I don't know. Is there an Eldari? Maybe something that we're missing. Oh, I mean, the, the thing with the Broken Ranks, they invented new characters as well. So yeah. it, it wouldn't surprise me if this is a series of four books. And that's just a guess. I think we will see a, a Chaos, um Imperium, and maybe a couple of Xenos ones. That kind of gives some of those older rangers their big, like centerpiece hero model.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sure there's a um a Necron rumor engine which we've not seen a model for yet as well, you know. Ooh, Batman.
2: Trajan the Infinite.
1: Yeah, maybe. It's definitely Necron looking sort of weapon, but we've not seen it. And certainly on the on the, I was looking through the kill team stuff that was previewed this week and I couldn't spot it on there either.
2: And if the purpose of this series is, like the Broken Realms, to type the loose ends of what's happened in the edition and set it up for next edition, we need a conclusion to that Prior Nexus arc, so maybe that's where that comes in. Hmm. yeah Yeah, exciting times
0: all in all uh what did we think of the preview did it live up live up to its billing
2: i did i I was really impressed with it i i didn't expect half the stuff that we saw i thought we might see the cadian kits but i didn't think we'd get as many cadian kits i thought we'd see more world eaters to be fair some more shots of some of the rest of their range but i suspect they're maybe early january now Uh, but yeah the whole arcs of omen thing kind of took me by surprise which i guess in hindsight we always get a cool like narrative thing don't we at the end of an edition. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this and I'm looking forward to seeing that Dark Mechanic and Beauty when it's uh, released.
0: I I mean, you took the words right. I was going to say the same thing. I didn't expect to see. I expected to see um, guard stuff, but I didn't expect to see the amount of guard stuff we did see. I expected more World Eaters. Um, I expected maybe another new unit for them or something. Maybe the Terminators um, or what they called the Red Butchers, aren't they, for World Eaters? um I, d- I didn't expect the arcs of omen i didn't expect the boarding actions uh, and i definitely didn't expect to see so close to the votan um a tease of uh, uh something for the dark uh Mechanicum. so uh yeah i thought it was, it was a very good preview i mean it, obviously there's always to be people like it doesn't you know this isn't my faction you know i'd like to see some more of my faction please um but I think the Arcs of Omen did a good job of kind of being something that everybody can be a bit excited about, even if you mm. don't plan on playing, uh, dark, you know, you don't want a dark mechanical kind of character. I think it'll be a fun storyline. Uh, Andy and Jay, what were what were your
3: impressions of the preview? Um, and to put it simply, um, I want a one of everything in that was shown <laughs> off in the preview. Um, I mean, I'm I've been playing a lot of kill team and stuff and getting into that so looking at the shadow bolts, especially in a bit more detail and stuff that was just amazing i mean looking at the yeah the casting are like super cool they're next level you know looking at them i was just like i really want to build and paint these guys like these guys are, are, are just amazing drop dead gorgeous and like playing kill team recently you know these are one of those kill teams that I could definitely see myself playing and and really spend a lot of t- time painting up, especially with the um, boarding action bases that they showed off. You know, these guys would be perfect on on those sort of bases because these guys are like the special forces, you know, throwing them into um, a campaign or a, a mission, you know, playing that 500 point game on a spacehawk or something on like those lines. These guys are the guys that you send for that mission um so seeing stuff like that would be super super cool um i mean obviously they showed off the boarding action scenery well i've just bought the into the dark scenery box uh oh scenery box the actual box for that and um yeah i'm definitely going to be picking up the shadow Bell box so i i i think for me personally that was kind of like okay that's cool for you know people who don't want to buy the kill team boxes but for me i was like okay that's you know that's cool that's cool. Um, but yeah, I, as soon as they announced like a new way of playing, you know, it's in space or cause like chaos terminators, death Shroud terminators, you know, all these different units sort of started popping into my head, you know, even plague marines just like going combat orientated plague marines and having like a lord of contagion and he's just going around a space hawk, you know, it was all super cool. Um, I mean, the new Cadian launch box. Yeah. I mean, that. Wow, oh, wow. Yeah, that was neck that was really good. I I I, I don't wanna do Cadians, um but that that is <laughs> like gonna slip soon. Yeah, I think I might slip soon. Oh, I've slipped too way too many times, you know, Kill Team, Leagues of Otan, you yeah. know. Um but yeah, I mean that box was absolutely jaw dropping amazing. And then the 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 World Eater preview, yeah, I was kind of hoping for terminators i'm a big softy when it comes to terminators I, I love terminators and um yeah i think seeing them for world eaters would be uh, would have been amazing um don't get me wrong the lord invictus is he called in
2: yeah invocatus
3: invocatus um he was he was really nice i tell you what I, looking at him i was like okay that's really cool but i think they mentioned preview he comes with, um, a couple of different weapon options. Um, so I'm kind of looking at that. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm probably going to end up buying one or two of these guys <laughs> just so I've got all the weapon options. Um, it was cool, but it just, he, he almost didn't feel like a character. Like I felt like he was missing a cloak or even, I mean, we haven't seen all the options, but maybe there's an unhelmeted version of him. Um, but anyway, long story short, yeah, I loved the preview. I thought it was really good.
2: So a question to you, Dave. Um, obviously, you've got a, a bit of a crusade planned. With the arcs of Omen on the way, are you going to have to do a, a new campaign taking us through that entire storyline as it happens?
0: Potentially, I think. Actually, yes, um, Matt. Um, especially with it being the first crusade campaign that I want to run, maybe... Um, maybe it would be a good idea to take a leaf out of uh, a supplement that already exists i will make a decision on that in the next few weeks um and 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 we'll go from there uh, i think um especially with you know how the armies that we want to collect as well we'll see uh, is what i want to say there uh, to be confirmed
2: awesome
0: excellent well we've spoken quite a bit on this show uh about the 41st millennium i think it's time that we actually stepped back into the mortal realms for our next segment um so we're going to take yet another pause and uh, we'll be back with the Lumina. So it's quickly becoming a yearly tradition that we have a podcast that talks about a new Lumineff battle tome. And this is the 2022 version of that. Um, so, Jay, you are the best equipped to take us through the latest battle tome for the Lumineff. Yeah, so we've
1: got a full review of it up on the website where we go through all of the, the battle tome. So if you want a, an extensive review, I'd definitely head to the Spruce and Brew's website. Uh, we've got a video like i said at the beginning of the podcast going up as well where we flip through the entire book and i uh, just give my thoughts on the different uh, sort of uh match play rules and war scrolls and things like that so we'll just do a really quick sort of run through of what i think about the new book um there's been quite a few changes really i think so i think most people probably know who um have been listening to the podcast or have been playing games of um age of Sigmar at tournaments and things like that there are one or two sort of set build for lumineph which are quite strong mainly focusing around either the oral and sentinels which are the the infamous archer units that can just inflict mortal wounds from like 30 inches away ignoring line of sight um and the wind spirits which are like the the new sort of um fox well, i say new they were new in the last book uh the the the, the fox spirits um which had that really really unique ability to move in the opponent's shooting phase. So you'd you'd have armies full of those things or armies full of sentinels generally. They were the sort of strong uh Luminef builds. The new book definitely mixes things up a bit and I think those sort of playstyles and army lists are very much diminished in the new book. Um but we'll come to why in a, in a moment. So the first thing I noticed when going through is that the allegiance abilities have been really sort of stripped down. Um, this, I think it was I spread over over two or three pages in the uh, old um, battle tome. And in that section, you had the Aether Quartz rules, which remain pretty much the same as, as they are. Uh, I think there's just one option now that's missing from the Aether Quartz, which was the ability to um, cast uh, an additional spell. Um, so that's gone, but the other options are still there. You still get the bravery penalty when you consume your A4 Quartz. Um, Lightning Reactions is still here. So when you, um, when it's your turn to choose a unit to fight in the combat phase, you can pick two units instead of one. That's still there. But then all of the other battle traits that we used to have, the um, Hurricane and Alarith battle traits, the Benari, Sonari battle traits, the Absorb Despair and that kind of thing, that's all been moved out of the battle trait section and they now appear on the War Scrolls um, themselves. Where, where appropriate. So Shining Company, for example, used to be a battle trait in the Venari section of the Allegiance abilities. It's now an ability on the War Scroll itself. Um, so I actually think that's pretty good because what that means is that it, potentially in future many armies might be able to take Luminef allies and now you would now get those abilities baked in on the War Scroll rather than an Allegiance ability. Um, and on, that, on the Allies front, the Luminef have a expanded um, list of allies they can now include. So it used to be just Idenf, which was always a bit strange seeing as They don't really get on with techless. Um, But you can now include Stormcast, Sylvaneth, Cities of Sigmar as well. Um, Now, I've not had a chance to really think about what that means for list building, but I suspect there's quite a few nice combos now uh, from drawing units across those different ranges. Um, Like the other third edition books, the enhancement section is is new. And here is where you'll find uh, Warlord, sorry, Warlord Traits, Command Traits and Artifacts. And they're broken down. You get three of each for each of the sort of sub-factions of Luminef. So the Venari, which are your sort of standing army, the spearmen, the, the archers, the ballistas, that kind of thing. Uh, the Sonari, which are all like more like your wizards, the Scenari cathalar Caligrave, uh, the new Enlightener model that we got in the um, Arcane Cataclysm box. And then there's also command traits and artifacts for the Hurricane Temple and the Alarif Temple, the wind and the stone sort of um, aligned elemental units that you get um, I really like this. Previously, you used to be locked into um, command traits and artifacts if you selected a Great Nation. So this is like your sort of um, st- storm host Chamber type thing, uh, Metrica or CR or something like that, Ilyaapha. Uh, but now you get a lot more freedom to mix and match command traits and artifacts across your army. You're not tied into a particular set of traits and artifacts like you used to be in 2nd edition. And I think that's common across all of the 3rd edition battle tomes. And actually, it does open up quite a lot of options, I think, uh, in terms of list building for Luminaf. Um, The spell laws, they all return. The Law of Heesh, which is your sort of main law. Uh, the Law of the Winds and the Law of the High Peaks. Um, the, the latter two spell laws now only have three spells each. Um, the, the main law, Law of Heesh, still has the, the full six spells. And I just think it's worth pointing out a few of the changes here. So straight away in the Laura Heesh, there's no lambent light anymore (laughs) lambent light used to be that really really good spell that allowed you to re-roll all of your hits with missile attacks so you can see how that was a really really key component of that sentinel army list you're really able to go fishing for those five pluses those six pluses for the mortal wounds that spell is no longer present in the battle tome at all so so straight away one of the key components of that strategy has disappeared In its place, we get Overwhelming Heat, which is a spell that used to, I think, um, was like a, a special spell that the trick Great Nation could include. Um, I found generally overall a lot of the old abilities, um, artifacts, command traits that were included in the old Great Nation rules have sort of been mixed in with the general enhancements now as well and been reused. Um, other than that, there's not really many changes to the Laura Heesh. Um Dave, you'd be pleased to know that Total Eclipse is still there. So this is the really, really interesting spell which forces an opponent to spend two command points instead of one when they want to use a command uh, ability. Fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and also just one more thing on this spell law is the Protection of Heesh. So this is a spell which when you cast it, it projects like a nine inch aura around the, the wizard and all friendly units wholly within range get a five plus ward save. And this is really really cool because it's just friendly units. So obviously with that expanded allies list now, you can potentially throw a five plus ward save on on other units in the it, 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 from drawn from other battle tomes. Um, the protection of techless spell, which does a similar thing, it's techless's version of this spell that specifically calls out luminef units. So it's, yeah. it's worth paying attention to the sort of keywords there on the different spells. Um, the law of the winds. Not we've got that, the howling gale spell here um which returns from the old battle tome healing zephyr is the new version of calming zephyr and this one still heals your unit but it no longer makes that unit immune to battle shock and actually that's one thing i noticed in this book that a lot of the abilities that used to make luminef um resilient to battle shock and increase their bravery have disappeared so the 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 the, the bonus that was applied to the calming, calming zephyr spell is gone um alfarians um Command ability that you used to have to make units bravery 10, that's gone. Um, the Sonari kafala's ability to redirect battle shock tests onto enemy units, that's gone as well. Um, the Iliafa plus 2 bravery bonus that they used to get, that's gone as well. Um, and I think bravery is going to be a real weakness of the Luminef. A lot of their units are quite low bravery. Your your warden units, which are your main battle line unit, they're only bravery six. And now you've got no way really to um, sort of bestow any kind of protection against Battleshock tests beyond the uh, general, you know, the common command ability that you can use once per game. Something you're definitely going to have to watch out for, I think. With um... I, I,
0: um, yeah, so I, I I picked up on that point in the um, Skaven Battle Tome when I reviewed that, that. They seem to have taken a lot of the options out. A lot of like the auras that gave you um, battle shock immunity uh, have gone. There's now only I think two. But I think there's a um, a relic. Or an artifact um, and does multiple wounds to yourself, but at least you know stops you from running away. And I think the plague furnace is still giving you a battle shark aura. And um, but apart from that, that's that's it. And I think that must be a thing going into the new edition of the game. I just hope that maybe they look at the 40k version of morale and do it more like that rather than what we currently have in Age of Sigma yeah
1: so yeah something definitely that i think you used to be able to work around in the lumineth army quite easily but that's now gone so you definitely have to and i, I mean I, I probably compared to scape and the lumineth units are a bit more expensive as well so hmm, i, I do think that is going to play into the armyless composition. i'll probably come back to that later on when we get to the end of the song. So sort of flip through the codex um we've also got the lord of high peaks i'm going to leave the lord of high peaks i'm going to come back to the lord of high peaks spoiler alert it's brilliant a lot of the Alaric <laughs> stuff in this book is brilliant. So I'm going to come back to that when we get to the Alarith units. Um, I've not forgotten it, so just, just be patient. Bear with me. Um, We get to the Great Nations themselves. These have been really streamlined. So uh, previously you used to get like a, a bonus or an ability for taking that Great Nation. It, you, they used to unlock certain battle line units. Um, you used to get a command trait, and artifact. Sometimes you got a spell. Sometimes you got something else. Um, now you just get a single sort of um bonus that applies to the army. Um, they still unlock the um sort of conditional battle line so metrica can still take tone guard as battle line hell can still take the um, wind chargers as a battle line um but a lot of the um uh, uh, other rules have been have been stripped back so um metrica unaffected really they still have this um uh, immunity to, to minus 2 rend now so minus 2 rend becomes um no rend at all that's not changed, but some have changed. So, if we look at Alumnia and Iliapha, for example, Ilyafra has seen a lot of changes. They used to have a lot of sort of bonuses to um, making efficient use of command abilities. They used to have the bravery bonuses. Now, they just have this ability to basically allow two different units to use the same A for Quartz ability in a single phase. Um, alumnia, as well, they used to have a really nice ability where they could um, march up the field at the beginning of the game. That's gone now, and basically, um they count as two models for the purposes of contesting the objective market if each model in that unit is um in base contact with two more models um and that's only the venari unit so your wardens your sentinels um so yeah so so uh, i think some some are okay some are unchanged some of them have taken a bit of a hit i think uh, in terms of the great nations there um then we come to the um war scrolls themselves so i'm just looking past the path to glory here we'll go we'll do the match play bit first actually that's, that's the first so we get four grand strategies and six battle tactics um on the grand strategy front i think it ranges from really really good to uh, quite difficult so if we look at the the difficult one the venari one venari assault this one requires that you end the battle with four or more friendly venari units on the battlefield and the enemy's general has been slain and i think that is a a big ask really um you know lumineth armies are not the cheapest of armies so you're not going to have very many venari units on the battlefield to begin with anyway and if you've got to make sure four of them survive that's 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 a that's a, that's a big ask on top of killing the opponent's general so i think that's quite a tricky one to to achieve uh, on the flip side you've got alarif aftershock which basically requires that two or more friendly Alarith units are contesting two or more objectives at the end of the battlefield. So they don't even need to be controlling the objectives. Um, And as we'll see, Alarith units are super tough, Um, even more so when they're contesting an objective. So, you know, depending on your army build, if you've not gone Alarif heavy, that won't necessarily be an option for you. Um, But it's certainly, I think, encouraging people perhaps to, to, to look at the Alarith builds for for you know for the for, for competitive armies um, you also get a grand strategy for the scenario and for the hurricane so you you know depending on the composition of your army you can choose which grand strategy is best placed there to achieve on the battle tactics side i really like the battle tactics i mean i think a lot of age of sigma games come down to timing when you activate a particular battle tactic and there can become points in a game where certain battle tactics are no longer achievable Or you've used a battle tactic too early and and not been able to achieve it. And really, you need to judge when is the best turn to sort of use certain battle tactics. And what I found here was that you've got a couple of battle tactics which you can use in any turn. So if the battle's not quite going the way you want it to go or, you know, you may have played a, a battle tactic too soon, You've got some good fallback options in this list here. So um, Hishmade Manifest, for example, just requires that there are two endless spells from your army on the battlefield at the end of the turn. So you know, you can use that in any turn of the game, really, as long as you've got those endless spells in your army list. Uh, Conserve Aether Quartz is a good one. Um, Basically, you you pick an enemy unit, you pick a friendly Lumineth unit that has at least one Aether Quartz, and then you complete that tactic if that enemy unit is destroyed by that Lumineth unit and they haven't used their Aether Quartz. But of course, you've got some good Lumen F units like the Lord Regents and things like that, where they're going to be wanting to keep hold of that Aether Quartz throughout the entire game anyway. So you can always sort of fall back on that battle tactic. And there are some good spells and some good sort of m- m- mobility options in the Battle Tone where you can redeploy uh, units like the Lord Regent uh, just outside of three inches of an enemy unit. So you can get that charge off. There are um, abilities in here on some war scrolls like the Banner Blade, which allow uh, nearby Lumen F units to reroll charges. Um, so so I, I think that's a good option as well to use in any any turn of the game really Let um, me come to the to the war scrolls um, Teclis the main man um, not really changed too much um, His archmage ability, which is his his really cool ability to either cast four spells on a 10 Two spells on a 12 or one spell on a 12 that can't be unbound that is still here um, The only difference is is that that ability is tied to his Damage table now. So as he takes wounds, he loses first the ability to cast that one spell that can't be unbound, then he loses the ability to cast two spells on a 12, and finally he's just left with the ability to cast four spells on a 10, um, which generally most people were doing anyway. Uh, the rest of his abilities are, are very, very similar. Um, and as I pointed out at the beginning there, his protection of Techlist spell explicitly only affects Luminef Realm lodge units. So if you are including allies in your army with Techlist, just keep in mind that that 5 plus ward save won't be able to apply to them. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the war scrolls. I'll just sort of touch on some of my favorite war scrolls. So Elpharion, another good uh, war scroll, has some really, really nice changes. He is now a complete champion in melee. So he's his um, swords now are flat free damage. His main sword, the Fang Sword, four attacks, hits on a two, wounds on a three, Ren minus three, free damage, gets extra attacks on a six, does mortal wounds. It's bonkers. Um, he's basically just got better at what he did. He has more wounds um but he's lost that bravery buff again which we talked about earlier on um both varieties of the lord regent so these are the sort of venari champions on the mount i really like these um, units now um i always like the lord regent but i even think the named character now is pretty good as well um one of the big changes on their war scroll is their some metal weapons rules so this is the rule where on a six to hit you would do a mortal wound and you could buff it with the power he show greater power he spell to a five plus that now does two Mortal Wounds on a six to hit. And these guys have a lot of attacks. So the named version of the Lord Regent gets seven... Uh, oh, five attacks with his Regent Sword. So five attacks, hitting on twos, wounded on threes. Any sixes to hit do two Mortal Wounds. So, yeah, I like the Lord Regents. Um, the Banner Blade as well, I touched on this earlier on, has had some good changes. His World Banner now has this reroll charge aura for F for units within 18 inches of him. Um, and I think... On the whole, lumina Armors used to be quite defensive, quite stationary, you know, um, and we'll see in a second with the changes to Shining Company. You couldn't really initiate many charges. You were quite slow moving up the battlefield. You sort of had to take the enemy charges, you know, bring them to you, basically. Um, I think that has been completely flipped around now, and I think abilities like the Banari Banner Blades Rebuild Charge, um, you've got the changes to Shining Company, which I'll come on to in a second, the Enlightener that allows you to... Um, Cast spells twice, so you can you can get speedy Hishon off on two units potentially. I think they're a much more mobile army now, and, and uh, you know you can certainly take the fight to the opponent rather than standing back waiting for them to come to you, which is nice. Um, on the Shining Company, so so the Venari units, we've got the Wardens and the Sentinels and the um, Ballisters and Dawn Riders. Um, Shining Company itself is, is now much easier to use. So previously, you had to have uh, models touching each other in the unit, if you wanted to declare a charge or run that turn, you had to break Shining Company. There was no way to sort of get that bonus back without, you know, you had to rely on redeployment shenanigans and things like that to try and get it back again. That's um, changed now. Now, the, the only requirement is that each model in the unit is touching two others. So you can declare charges, you can run, you can, you can reform later in the game and get the minus one to hit bonus back again. Shining Company is really, really good. Uh, it definitely um, benefits wardens you can be much more aggressive with warden units now Um, so I do like the shining company changes Um, sentinels yeah I mean we saw these changes coming I think with the war scroll that we saw in arcane cataclysm they can no longer target units outside of line of sight Um, they're a bit shorter range now Uh, they've lost access to that lambent light spell so they can't reroll those hits Um, I think outside of a hell on great nation i don't think they're going to be fantastic anymore and i think what we may see is them swapped for um star shard ballistas which i think are another most improved unit in the book as well so these all of the sort of um bonuses that they used to be able to get in certain circumstances plus one attack i think for being remaining stationary or and then plus one to hit if they were within some range of another year all of that has been baked into the war scroll now so they get more attacks they've got a better to hit um stat. Uh, And they do increased damage against monsters. Um, So I think I think a star shard blister or two will make a good substitute for the Oral and Sentinels in some people's lists. Um, And then the last Fenari unit, Blade Lords. So these are the Swordmaster units. These have seen some good changes as well. So they now get the Sun Metal rule. That's the big one for them. So they can now do Mortal Wounds on six to hit. They don't natively have any access to the Power heath spell, which is the one that buffs it to a five plus to hit. But if you've got a Lord Regent in the army, you can use greater power to get these guys doing mortal wounds on fives as well. Um, Their Flurry of Blows ability, which allowed them to get extra attacks depending on how many models were in range, has been been simplified. It's now you basically get up to two extra attacks if there are 10 models in the enemy unit. So you can get four attacks each with these guys. Um, These are an interesting unit. They've got... Two runes each, four plus safe. They've got better bravery than the Orallan Wardens. So I think potentially these are a good substitute for Orallan Wardens in some some armies. Um, they can be battle line as well if you've got a Sonari hero. At least one unit can. Um, so, yeah, I do like the changes to the Swordmasters. Um, some good changes to the Sonari units as well. I'm not going to go over all of them. The Sonari Caffala, perhaps not as good as she used to be. She's lost that ability to redirect the battle shock test, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, there's been some changes to the Deep Thinker's Battle trait, which now appears on the War Scroll. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not too fond of the Sonari Caffler anymore. The Sonari Enlightener, though, I think will be a key piece in a lot of armies. Uh, this is the new unit that was released with Arcane Cataclysm. And I think the, the the standout ability on this War Scroll is the Rune of Mfly, which basically you cast a spell and on a free plus, you can resolve the effects of that spell again on a second unit. So, like I say, you can double up on speed of Heish to, to, to double the movement of two units. You can cast Ethereal Blessing on two different units. Yeah, I really like the Scenario Enlightener. Um, the Scenario Calligrave and Law Seeker, they've both seen some changes as well. I would say the Law Seeker has probably taken a few, a few negative changes, not such an appealing unit anymore, although no longer unique, so you can put some command traits and artifacts on them uh the scenario caligrave however has been fixed i think the Erasure spell that they've got where you could you could cast it one turn to mark the unit and then you could cast it a second turn to do some mortal wounds it now has the potential to do d uh, 2d6 mortal wounds the second time you cast it so yeah mm-hmm. i think that's that's been fixed um then we come to the um Alarith units so these are definitely the alarif sort of sub faction the metricalist has definitely been buffed in this book so, your two mountain spirits, the uh, spirit, the, the general Alarif Spirit of the Mountain and Avelinor, the name character, they've both had two extra wounds each. So, Avelinor's now got 16 and your generic mountain spirit's got 14. Um, they've had some um, improvements to the uh, unshakable faith of the mountain abilities that they both had. So, the regular uh, mountain spirit now can grant D3 Alarif elf units an extra attack, whereas previously it just used to be one elf unit. And Avelinor can do it to free it. Our Ar- Alarif Ar- Elf units rather than D3. Um, Avellino especially has um, the synergies with Avellino and the rest of the Alarif stuff. I think is really really cool. So I sort of skipped past the um, the the lore of the mountains and the the Alarif sort of enhancements earlier on, but I'll just return to them now and just give you an idea of the sort of combos we can pull off here. So you could give a um, command trait to an Alarif hero, so your Alarif Stone Mage tectonically attuned and this allows you to pick a friendly spirit of the mountain unit within three inches and add one to their attacks characteristic for their missile attack so of eleanor's three plus to hit two plus to wound minus two rend d6 damage attack he now gets two of them with this ala of stone mage next to him um or you may decide to um take the unyielding toughness um command trait and what this allows an Alaric Stone Mage to do is pick a Stone Guard unit wholly within six inches of them and add one to the wounds characteristic of them. So your Alarif Stone Guard then have three wounds each. Um they've also got some great art um artifacts, yes. The um molten talisman. You can add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly Alarif units wholly within 12 inches of the bearer. So if you set an Alariff Stone Mage in between Avelinor and some alarif Stone Guard, they're now um wounding. On two pluses with their weapons. And Avelinor's got some crazy get six attacks, three pluses to hit, two pluses to wound next to the stone mage, ren minus two, five damage. And it does mortal wounds as well. The Alarist Stone Guard, they get two attacks base, but of course you can get up to five attacks if you get the Faith for the Mountain ability on them. They'd be hitting on threes, wounding on twos, ren minus two next to the stone mage, doing one damage and potentially mortal wounds on a five plus in addition to the damage. All Stoneguard are really, really cool. Um, and then we've got some of the spells. So um, which spell was it here? Yes, Unbreakable Stoicism. So basically this is the Power of Heesh spell, but for Stoneguard. So the Stoneguard War Scroll itself, they used to have two different weapon options, a Diamond Pick Hammer, which used to do mortal wounds, I think on a six to hit, and the um, the, the Stone Mallet, which used to double the damage on a six to hit. They've sort of been combined now. It's just one weapon a- option. And they get this crushing blow ability so on a six to hit you do your damage plus a mortal wound um and with this um unbreakable um, stoicism spell they're basically doing those mortal wounds on a five plus basically the uh some metal weapons rule um and the fact you can sort of increase the number of attacks these guys are making i think they're, they're going to put a lot of damage out they get two inch range now as well whereas previously they were only one inch range um, and they also have a really cool ability, Fortitude of the Earth, which gives them a 4-plus ward save against mortal wounds whilst they're contesting an objective they control. Um, and the Stone Mage can buff them further, so the Stone Mage can give them extra rend. Um, yeah, really, really cool. Overall, all of the sort of Alarith units are very, very, um, very very strong. And then in an Ametricalist especially, their battle line, ignoring rend minus 2. Some good changes for the uh, Alarith stuff. On the flip side, the Hurricane stuff has taken a bit of a hit. The Wind Chargers are just as useful as ever. Um, they've They've got a really cool ability, Wind Charger Arrows, which allow them to ignore ward saves on target units, which is quite cool. But the Wind Spirits themselves, they are not so good anymore. So like I said earlier on, they've lost this ability to move in the opponent's shooting phase. And I think on the whole, I think that's a good change. It where people were taking four of these spirits, that's four units that were really hard for the opponent to deal with. I would have liked to have seen that ability remain on the named character though. Um, you know, one unit in your army that can do that, I don't think is so bad compared to four units in your army that can do it. But you know, it's been taken off of both War Scrolls, so there we go. Um they've also lost the ability to sort of play around with the opponent's power-in range, which is um uh something else that was, you know, that was a a, a key strategy, I think, in armies that included these wind spirits. They can no longer do that. Um, I think they're a bit fragile. They are fast, but they're obviously much easier for the opponent to sort of pin down and, and take off the board now. So we'll have to see what how many lists include those units going forward. Um, and then we get the uh, sort of Underworld units and the, and the um, Endless Spells. Not too many changes to any of those. A few quality of life improvements on the on the Shrine Luminor. There's no restriction now on the, on when the shrine guardian ability activates. I think it used to be from the second battle round onwards. Now it's just whenever the things garrisoned. Um, so yeah, so that that's all the uh, the sort of war scrolls. And then of course we get the path to glory section, which we see in all the third edition battle tomes. Um, really, the theme here is that your Luminef army is sort of uh, marching across the the mortal realms. And when you win a major victory, you're able to sort of imprint a rude to sort of cleanse and heal the land. And that gives you some sort of bonuses to some of your units or to your uh, Path to Glory campaign force. Um, maybe some bonuses while you're upgrading your stronghold or some of your territories. Um, you get a bunch of quests. Um, some of the quests are focused on improving your territories and stronghold. Some of them grant bonuses to units in your army. Um, there's a selection of veteran abilities. Um, I really like the Gift of the Mountain one, which increases the damage of your stone guard units to two damage rather than one for a <laughs> single um, phase of the game. <laughs> um and then you've got some um some sort of luminous specific territories and i think my favorite is the ruins of the faded glory which um they basically make the luminous immune to that bravery penalty when they consume their battle their Aether quartz um so yeah but overall i think your sort of sentinel and wind spirit armies have definitely taken a hit in this battle so i think what we'll see now is definitely alarith and metricalist i think that seems to be the most obvious sort of strong build in the in the book. Um units of Stone Guard supported by Stone Mages, supported by two or more of the mountain spirits for sure. Um what I think we'll also see, which I'm really, really excited about, is big Venari armies. So this is armies with Lord Regents leaving leading them, um units of Venari starshard blisters to do those you know, they've got really, really good range damage profile, very good at taking out monsters. Units of Venari Blade Lords, now they get this Sun Metal Rule and these uh, extra attacks, um, backed up by Cenari and Lighteners, so that you can get this double Ethereal Blessing off or double Speed of Heish off. And I think that sort of, um, you'll be able to sort of build that high elf army from from, from from yesteryear, you know, ranks of Spearmen, Ballistas, Bolt Throwers, that kind of thing. Um, your sort of glistening armoured princes on their mounts at the front of your if, army.
0: Um... If I if I was to go for a I think that's the route I would take especially I'm not I can't remember if you mentioned it in this particular preview during this podcast but you can get those blade lords as battle line can't you Yeah um, you can with a is, scenario hero Yeah yeah so um yeah that's probably the route I would take Yeah
1: so I th- I think they're the two sort of strong armies we'll see um I think there may be some potential for using sentinels in a hell on army the hell on the great nation bonus now is a it's a six inch bonus that they had. it used to be a three inch bonus so within six inches your ranged units are getting extra attacks with their ranged attacks um so sentinels are getting a, quite a lot of attacks actually within six inches in a hell on army but it, it it's very specific to that sort of great great nation um i think some of the some of the things that you'll have to watch out for certainly bravery across the board it, it's a low bravery army and it's an expensive army so you're going to have to take into account that and try and mitigate that somehow i'm not sure how maybe there's something in the allies uh expanded ally- allies list that may open up some options there i'm not sure um the other thing to take away from this i think is that the army is much more mobile um sh- the changes to shining company i think are very very good because it f- it doesn't force you into a stand back and wait for the enemy to approach you it really allows you to take the fight to the enemy get onto objectives early on um i think the scenario enlightener with that rune of end fly ability to, to basically double upon the spells. I think that's also really, really key to sort of opening up some of that mobility. Double speed of heesh on a unit, for example. Um double teleporting, for example, that kind of thing. Um so yeah, so that that's my very quick sort of run through of the new battle Tome.
0: Amazing. <laughs> a lot to take away from that. It's um it's cool to hear some of the changes. And hopefully like you say, we'll see more of the range on the battlefield because you tend to see kind of the same things at the moment, Sentinels and stuff like that. So uh, it'd be interesting to go to tournaments and see what um, Luminef players ad- adapt to and what they take going forwards. Um, as Jay mentioned, he has done a very comprehensive write-up of the book over on spruceandbrews.com. You'll be able to find the link directly to that article in the podcast notes and also up on our YouTube channel Uh, is a video run through of the Baltoon as well. So uh, nice one for that, Jay. Much appreciated. And then I will also give a shout out at this point. um, Hello, Matt did towards the beginning of the podcast that um, the combined efforts of Matt and Andy, they put together a brilliant Sons of Bear review, both in written and video form as well. Again, I'll put the link in the podcast notes so you can check that out at your leisure and um, we're getting towards the twilight of this week's episode and um, but we're not quite there yet because we do have our top three which is coming up next so after that brief interlude into the mall realms we're back into the realms of 40k with this week's top three, which has us going all nostalgic to tie in with their birthday celebrations. So what top three models uh, are nostalgic to us? Um, I'm gonna start us off this week with my top three. In third place for me, it has to be the classic originally launched broadside battlesuits. Um now uh this, this could easily have been Crisis suits of whatever flavor, but um, uh, this does you know what screams futuristic wargaming than hulking battle suits with massive rail cannons on their shoulders with arm-mounted missile launchers? Um, a fantastic older kit. Um, yes, the new plastic kit is very nice as well, but there's something deeply nostalgic about those old broadsides, which I think you had quite a few of Jay at one point. Broadsides? did you?
1: Well, it wasn't had me that
0: sorry. It was Matt actually. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I I like the old broadside. It's. <laughs> you prefer that than the the current kit then, uh, Dave?
0: I I'm torn actually because I, I, there's something about having them mounted on the shoulders. I like the Forge ordered. world ones, where they had them undersung their under their arms. Yeah, that, that
2: was, was very cool. cool.
0: That was very cool. My second choice, um, so I have a long-standing love for the Inquisition, this is no secret. Um, That probably all stems from one of the first Inquisitors I owned, and he was a limited edition, I believe it was a store anniversary model in fact, so um, it was Inquisitor lore, um, with his kind of cowboy-esque hat, which whenever I think of Inquisition I always think of that kind of hat. Um, he's pointing because all the cool kids point, and he's armed with a plasma pistol with like the trench coat kind of the real typical inquisitor kind of vibe, part cowboy, part kind of secret agent. Um, Here it was my original kind of entryway into the inquisition, and how much I love it today. I actually only painted him during Covid uh, and proudly now sits amongst my other painted inquisitors. and agents such as my assassins and stuff um did, did did any of you guys originally pick up this model i remember I... I remember buying him actually from games workshop manchester
2: see i don't know if it's the same one i've got i've got he's got like a flaming brand and like he looks a bit more like a witch hunter than an inquisitor so it's he based on the same model
0: similar model the, the one you're talking about came in a box with some of his retinue he okay. was like um a kit that you could you could buy at any point at, at one stage. The the guy I'm on about was um, a weekend-only release. Okay. Well,
2: but, that sounds um, cool.
0: Yeah, he's um, very nostalgic to me. But if I want to think of Warhammer 40k, what could be more nostalgic than some 90s Space Marine Terminators? Um, they look a bit silly now, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, Terminators are just so iconic um they had to be they had to be my top choice really one of the first ones i ever painted um in ultra colors well that's what they were supposed to be anyway <laughs> um yeah had to had to be the terminators
2: yeah i'm, I'm posh to the terminators too one of the first sets i picked up was space because i collected two when i first got into second edition and obviously the space Hawk box had loaded turners in it so that was great um i, I really hope that we get primaris terminators especially with all this board and action going on like you say just the the silhouette of a terminator is iconic we don't really have that with the primaris range at the minute <laughs> yeah you
0: know, the gravis arm yeah. doesn't do the same trick does it i don't think
3: no oh,
0: cool let's move on to the next person uh andy what's your top three
3: so i got into the hobby oh god early 2000s i think it was and I did jump in with a bit of 40k, and there's one unit that always stood out to me as being an absolute monster. And now it's it's almost adorable, and that is the Space Marine dreadnought. So when I first got into the hobby, you could buy one of these with the, the Power Fist and the Storm Bolter and the Assault Cannon. That was about it. You know, it wasn't until later that we added the las cannon and the missile launcher and you've got all the different variants that you have nowadays but yeah at the time the, the space marine dreadnought for me was just an amazing kit and i think i've picked up probably like seven or eight of them over the years i think at one point one of the uh launch boxes you could actually get a very uh box standard uh dreadnought with a multi-melter as well so that that was really cool but yeah but the dreadnought has always had that sort of like special place for me same with like terminators it's that sort of like robot mechanical bulky suit that, that i really really like but yeah but the space marine dreadnought was my third choice my second choice was um but my second choice was the 13th company for space wolves and these guys were so cool like i remember um loads of white dwarves that had battle reports in them and there was one where they were fighting in like a, a desert town and it was 13th company versus sisters of battle because you know the sisters of battle see them as almost like heretics but they're not they're space wolves who went into the eye of terror and of course you know they use what they can to survive so of course they've got space wolf armor They've got normal space marine bits and then they've got like chaos space marine backpacks yeah, and shoulder pads yeah. and stuff yeah and and they were just so cool like I remember seeing them in like I said a couple of white dwarf magazines, and every time I saw them, I was just like, oh, I'd love to pick up yeah and, and and do an army of them just because of a narrative just because of a story of them and um yeah, unfortunately now with like the modern kits it's it's not really it's not really doable anymore um but when i look at um the 13th company it just harkens back to those early days of 40k for me and then the first choice which i think is quite um quite adept to 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 me and and go forward in the next couple of months and that's for corn berserkers which ironically is still the same model that you can buy now so the nostalgia is still kind of there um and that's because when i got back into or when i got into 40k and actually started playing games in my local games workshop um one of my friends um ironically called matt um uh, he used to play chaos Space marines and specifically like um, night lords and what he would do was he, he'd have some corn berserkers and he came up with like this huge narrative as why well. they're in the army and all this sort of stuff. But he used to have his own custom built Khan betrayer and corn berserkers in the Land Raider. And it was literally every single game of 40k we played would have this Land Raider with Khan and a bunch of Korn Berserkers. And the Korn Berserkers were the actual Corn Berserker models. And yeah, they were so terrifying. It's like you either killed that Land Raider or the land would drive up and they would just kill you. It's one of those sort of games that it's all or nothing. But I used to play against them all the time and I loved them and I still do. Uh
0: we shall move on to uh to J next. I
1: actually had dreadnought in my list as well, Andy. I love the old plastic dreadnought. Well you, like you say it used to be metal, didn't it? I think you used to get a metal one with a multi melter. Um and I even remember some of the um Fordrill's dreadnoughts. I used to do the Black Templar one in particular was absolutely awesome. The Grey Knight one.
3: I think we do a Chaplain dreadnought at one point as well.
1: Chaplain one, yeah. Fordrill does some good dreadnought bits. Uh, My number three choice is Dante though, the Blood Angels Chapter Master. Still going strong with the same model. (laughs)
0: Looks
1: more like a Leagues of Votans scale character nowadays compared to the rest of the Space Marine range. Um, But I. I have a small, small glimmer of hope that we may see a new Dante model before long. Uh I think with Tenth Edition coming these Dark Omens, you know, I think Dante he's he's supposed to be the uh, sort of second in command of the Imperial forces, isn't he? Like running the other side of the rift.
2: He is, yeah. He's on the he's on the he's on the wrong side of the cicatrix Maledictum, which might be an interesting place to be if Abaddon's barreling through with a load of spacehawks. Yeah,
1: got, got history of the Black Legion. I think uh, I think a Dante refresh would be cool, but yeah, I love the Dante model with his um, sort of death mask, his Inferno pistol, and his uh, Axe Mortalis. Um, and I love as well uh, when you see some of the um, the old. I guess he must be a second edition model or third edition model. Um, the really bright sort of crisp color scheme with a goblin green base on him as well. Uh, so he's always sort of jumps to my mind when I think of old Warhammer Forty Thousand um, alongside those dreadnoughts. Um, my second choice is um, the uh, Eldar Guardian. So this was the first sort of um, model I ever built for Warhammer 40k. So I always think about the Eldar Guardians and the Eldar range, really, when I uh, think back on um, what, you know, Warhammer 40k means to me over the years. Uh, and we've recently had an update to the uh, Eldar guardian sort of sprue and a, a, a new model similar to what they've done we've saw with the previous weekend with the cadians well the old guardian kit wasn't too bad the new guardian kit looks really really good alongside the the old one but it's much sharper and there's lots more details they look a lot more dynamic i've actually got a unit of the new ones and a unit of the old ones right behind me here and yeah i love those kits i love that i love the sort of helms the sort of stylized sort of elongated helms and they really sort of um slim fitting mesh armor that they wear uh yeah, so so that's my second choice. <laughs> my first choice though is again with the Eldar range, but it's the Eldar Phoenix Lords. Um Azurban, oh, yeah. oh, Jane Zar. Uh Thug- Fugan, the, um, the the I can't remember what's on the burning burning fist? I can't remember now. When the uh, all the sort of mythology behind the Phoenix Lords, um Barahoff, the Swooping um sweeping hawk Phoenix Lords. Of course we've had a couple of um, new ones. We've had Jane Zar and um what's his name? Morgan Ra, redone recently. Um but there's still a still a few models to revisit there, I think.
3: Ooh.
1: I remember going to uh, Manchester Games Workshop as well, Dave, to pick up some of
0: the Phoenix Lords for my Eldar army back in the day. If you if you had a choice, Jay, putting you on the spot right now, what would you like to be the next Phoenix Lord to be redone?
1: Uh it would either be
0: Cahandrus, the striking scorpion,
1: or Barahoff. Dog.
0: Cool. Cool. I'll take i f I'll take a I'll take I'll take two. <laughs> um that just leaves one more member of the team. Matt, what is your top three?
2: Well I feel I've got a little bit more old school than you guys. So number three I have possibly one of the most could you hear that, we going to pass very fast. In number three in number three, I have got what is possibly one of the most beautiful miniatures ever produced by games workshop and i like it more than the current plastic one the screamer killer for the tyranids the second edition one who's given you a really you know really big hug that might hurt a little bit with its chitin edged claws um i don't know it's just this it looks a bit cheesy now and yeah the new carnifex is probably arguably a bit more intimidating looking but back in second edition, this was awesome. This is a big chunk of metal as well. You could knock somebody out with this thing. And mm-hmm. I always wanted one. I never actually bought one. And I really regret not getting one. I kind of hope that we see kind of something like that, but reimagined. In the same way that Jay didn't like the the, the, the silly old squats on bikes. And now we've got awesome like hover bikes and really cool looking squats. We could take the concept of a Carnifex and make it something big and terrifying. Even if it becomes a different unit. Just, I think two and it's need some big, like you know, knight-sized beasties that can properly rip things apart. And I think the Screamer Killer might be a nice concept for it.
0: Yeah, they've lost that. Um, they they were big at one stage, weren't they? Now, but effects, I, I mean, I think even um, I think Jay Map said this. Uh, a a a Redemptor Dreadnought is is bigger, or the set, at least the same size as him. He's lost that terror aspect.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and they that... used
0: to be the biggest thing, stalking
1: the battlefield, them and Dreadnoughts, and now, yeah. I mean, some is Space Marine well... characters are bigger than, than the
2: old Dreadnoughts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that is a disgrace. So <laughs> what we would do is, uh, yeah, big, awesome, big, gribbly Tyranids creature would be amazing, and I'd love to see it. But if I did see, you know, a made to order of some classic metal second edition Tyranids, I would buy the lot because I'm a sucker for all of them. Uh mention to the Tyranids Warriors, some people hate them some people think they look goofy i also think they're beautiful too my second choice is the original land raider released back in the 80s alongside rogue trader it was basically a i guess world war tank converted into the 41st millennium you've definitely got that old school kind of like tank aesthetic to it um but it just at the time it was a big awesome kit used to get it i think he used to get two in a box for a tenner and they were amazing um and and luckily currently for pre-order you can get the land raider proteus which is again using the squat analogy it takes the concept and the like profile of that land raider with the cool like ram on the front and the the suspension and the kind of like side mounted guns but just makes it a bit more modern um Beautiful, beautiful kit. Gamers of a certain vintage will probably enjoy it more than others. So a lot of people will be like, what you're on about. We've had a land made of FBS It doesn't really look like that. But yeah, I, I think that looks really, really cool. Coming in number one though, and this was a really hard choice, but so I kind of thought if I if I think just forty K and like models that really make me kind of like long for the game, it'd have to be again one of the first models I bought, the second edition metal Gasgull and Mikari. Yeah, he's a bit small now compared to the current plastic one. And he's small compared to the um, the third, fourth edition metal one they put out of Gaskell. But that classic one, who was on like a 25mm base, <laughs> he, uh, he he was so cool. He was so cool. I, I love that model. I think I bought it, I think it was £7 for Gaskell and Macari in a blister pack. I'd saved up my pocket money for it and eagerly ran home and... Painted him up, painted the base green, of course, and put green flock on it. And, uh, yeah, I, I really wish I still had it. I hope I've still got it somewhere. I should do a comparison of the uh, the old uh, Gaskell and the new Gaskell. Um, I think it's a similar era to the, uh, the Dante you were on about, Jay.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And quite fitting, actually, seeing as uh, they were both on Armageddon.
2: Yeah, maybe we need to do that. We need to have an old school <laughs> battle report using those models sometime. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so they're mine. They they Basically, all three of them just make me think of the game and another honourable mention to the cardboard orc dreadnought out of the second edition starter box
0: some uh, fantastic choices from ourselves Um, there's so many to choose from Um, uh, it it could all change in the matter of weeks Um, but yeah some excellent choices, it just leaves one final segment and that's to find out what the community have chosen for their top three I'm going to go over to those next And so we have reached this week's final part of the episode. And it's time to read out the community top three picks. And want we'll to go straight over to Matt. What do we have over on social media, Matt?
2: So Rob Scott says the classic orc. Uh, We've got the start with Rob Scott, who number three has got the classic metal orc. Weird boy. Brackets weird. Number two, Inquisitor Koteas brackets grimdark and then number one the classic death company furioso dreadnought brackets there is only war Uh, jim jackson has orc goth boys with axe and pistol from the second edition starter set that's a really good shout Um, number two the orc uh, the core lord on juggernaut small but mighty he bought his in real in 1998 Number one, the Orc War Boogie with Multimelter at the heart of my 40k army, and Gorkamorka Gang. Great times. Uh, Wild West Wargaming says they should all be the classic Imperial Guard Regiment's infantry, the old Vindicare Assassin and the old Sonic Dreadnought. Santiago Ghoul says the original Land Raider, the original Predator, and the original Harlequin Jet Bikes. That oh, is a yeah. really, really good choice. Um, Dave Ball says my number one would be my first RTBO1 space marine I painted. Dave Ball says my number one would be my first RTBO1 space marine I painted many moons ago. And what got me into the hobby? Number two, my metal space wolves. I remember the original release with a fantastic battle report that read like a story. And Number three, Commissar Yarick holding his claw aloft and his banner telling the story of how he lost his arm. Uh, and he also says, love the weekly, makes my work tick along nice and quick. Thank you very much. Jones Matt Jones says, the original 2 Carnifex, horrifyingly bizarre. Cypher, who doesn't love dual-wielding Mastercrafted pistols and second edition Space Marine with rocket launcher is simply iconic. And finally, Jem says, I remember the launch 35 years ago and I still have my original Rogue Trader book. So I own loads of the original stuff. But the Horus heresy new land raider is a great update of the original and same for the Zote from the blackstone fortress is even in the same pose as the original model So really good shouts there
0: old zoat yeah he is a cool model uh excellent yeah thanks uh everyone for sending those in um matt i have to ask the question uh what's next week's top three
2: so obviously we've got the uh, the boarding action supplement coming for Warhammer 40,000. We've had a lot of core cool supplements over the years for 40k. This could be expansion books or codexes or whole kind of different ways of playing. So I know your top three 40k supplements.
0: You can get your top three in early via our social media. We will be putting the question out on the Sunday and Monday before we next podcast. Um, so you can just pop a comment on those and we'll read out as many as we can on next week's show but for now gentlemen I, that brings this week's episode to a close um, again great to have you back Jay oh yeah good to be back just in time for the new Lumen F book as well yeah <laughs> well I said I couldn't miss that <laughs> um, we shall be back again next week until then have a great week I hobby, and I must speak to all again very soon
2: Bye.
0: Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash